It was always debated. It really was. I mean, uh, for a long period of time. And it's still debatable, is it not? Whether or not baseball is successful here in South Florida, would you say? I mean, the only people so far that I think it's been really successful for were uh, Laurie and Sampson. Yes. Who cashed in billions. Uh, everybody else uh, has left here uh, kicking and screaming, have they not? The son-in-law and uh, the Pops, who, uh, you know, have went from buying Dayglow Jesus paintings <laughs> to uh, all of a sudden... He's in the bidding at Southby's for a Van Gogh. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's an original there, Jeff. Okay. The time. Wake up with Defoe. Joined by Luby. Welcome to the Defoe Show. And a very pleasant good morning, everybody. Great to be with you here on the Defoe Show. Jeff DeForest and a very handsome-looking Mike Luby Lubitz with you till 9 o'clock today. Uh, always good to be with you on any day, and I would have to say uh, maybe uh, we have to uh, issue some sort of informal apology to our good friend Jim Sarney, who we often mention here on the program, a guy who is a sports fan, sports fan. I mean, gets into, uh, and I respect this. I, I really do. I have a great deal of respect for it. I, I like a lot of sports. I, I like virtually everything. I, I know we have our fun talking about, uh, and I don't know, we're going to have to change our position on this. With the arrival of Messi, you would have thought God showed up in oh town yesterday. Oh my God! <laughs> Can you believe this? You're gonna be, you're gonna make fun of me. This is for a scrub team, though. This is a thing that you know, kind of uh, is uh, interesting. Uh, the uh, sort of dichotomy that's at work here, and, uh, and some of the uh, ironies about it. As uh, you would have to think, what the MLS is? Luby, would you say it's kind of a schlupper league? I mean, if you were a soccer fan for all of its existence so far. Uh, everybody, you know, nice to have soccer in America, I guess, all of that. I, I can pay tribute to that and understand that. But it's kind of been considered uh, secondhand uh, stuff, has it not? I mean, this is a kind of thrift shop of soccer, the uh, Major League Soccer. And they have had their stars come in there, but usually when there has been. This is not the case with Messi, although, uh, I don't know, is Messi far from his prime at 35 years old? People thought was he was he? until the World Cup, and then they realized he's not. <laughs> but didn't they didn't they fix the World Cup? Wasn't the World Cup rigged so he that Messi would of, win? He had a lot of PKs. Yes, he did have a lot. Of oh PKs. come on! Man. I mean, the uh, guy would look at Messi cross eyed penalty kick. All right, put him on the stripe. And, and it wasn't like uh, he was booming these penalty kicks either. I mean, Messi's approach on the penalty kicks is great. He really does go by the old. The old Brooklyn thing, right? Your mama. I was going to say, then, it's like your dream. <laughs> and then dribbles one through the middle, not even uh, like one side or the other. Is the intimidation factor that large with Messi? He doesn't 100%. seem to be. Does he have like the strongest leg in soccer or something? Am I missing something with this guy? I mean, phenomenal uh, ball handler, you would yes. have to say. Uh, you know, and uh, look, I, I don't know much about the game in terms of uh, what kind of skill it takes, although I know that I couldn't do it. That, that's for sure. Couldn't even <laughs> attempt it. To dribble a soccer ball through like six guys, the way he maneuvers through six guys, that the problem with the game is it usually ends up in a whole pile of shit. Nothing. He <laughs> makes sad. all these moves, and he's exhausted, and he's running, he's schwitzing, and, you know, people are yelling and screaming. And then at the end of dribbling through six guys, uh, the ball goes out of bounds and uh, the goalie picks it up and throws it to midfield. That's it. Pretty much. I, I don't know. I mean, have you ever seen anything like this, though? With, with Messi? I mean, uh, they, okay, I understand. Like like if Shaq was coming to town, they had the big thing with the bus. Well, the LeBron thing that ended up being one of the stupidest things in sports because they counted up to like that, that was fucking dumb man. yeah <laughs> they didn't get past two what an atrocity <laughs> you remember that i remember that very we distinctly i remember we broadcasted it because yes we had just started, i don't think we had done a show yet 
And I, I, I just signed on with wins, 940 wins, and they had at the time for the next three games, I guess, yes. <laughs> the rights to the Miami Heat, which, I mean, that's still one of the bizarre radio circumstances I've ever seen. I, I've witnessed just about everything, but I've never seen a team leave a station uh, three in games season. into the season. In season. <laughs> in season. In season. And it barely started. And, and if ever there was a time that you would have wanted to have the Miami Heat, I remember thinking, my God, they got LeBron James. This is unbelievable. Every and here I am on this radio station that I don't even know if, uh, you know, it was going to be a good platform for us. And we had the Miami Dolphins and the Miami Heat contracts. Yep. Uh, they did keep the Dolphins around for a while, but the Heat uh, bolted. And uh, uh, they found some loophole in the contract where uh, the – Heat were supposed to get the same considerations as any other professional team that was being carried as a flagship by 940 wins. And the Miami Dolphins had been accorded the courtesy, which is what they really wanted, of being on Big 105.9, the FM station, which was a monster by comparison. And so the Heat demanded that they put their games on Big 105.9 in, you know, a very clever leveraged move to say, hey, we know you're not going to do that. You're not going to take your highest rated station in the so-called cluster. I think there were, what, seven stations in that building uh, under the iHeart banner at the time. It might have even been Clear Channel back then. And uh, you know, they, there was no way that they were going to be broadcasting NBA basketball games at 10 o'clock at night on this FM station. No way. Not, not all season long. Well, Plus, there the were 82 games. 82 games, and then they yeah. made that team made it to the finals every year. So there's like 100 and something games. So a third of the year, you're going to get rid of rock for basketball? <laughs> the Castronova show is going to be uh, delayed because uh, they're still playing a game out on the West Coast. I don't think so. That wasn't happening. So they knew that wasn't happening and that there was no way that they could accommodate that consideration, which was kind of a dumb thing. Uh, who negotiated that? That guy Winnick? I mean, uh, who was the guy behind that? No comment. Some idiot put uh, that clause in the contract, knowing that uh, this was just a wide open loophole. I mean, it was basically saying, hey, listen, when you want to leave, go ahead. Pretty much. But uh, we got assigned right away. Uh, and I remember I hadn't even started it. I don't think I'd done a show. And uh, Luby, I, I barely knew you. We had never done anything together yet, and you thought it was a joke when Ken Charles was like, we need you to go down there with, was it with Cephalo? Like, I don't remember. I think it was Cephalo. And then I don't know about person. Jimmy Cephalo. We were doing the show with um, who? It was two uh, John Cronny was on the air, and uh, Mike Inglis oh, yeah, was still calling the games so for the uh, Miami Heat. It was you, Cronny, and Inglis, and we had never done anything together, and they're like, all right, go down to the arena. And you're like, for what? <laughs> I really actually was ready to just say, oh, my God, let me go back to Radio Purgatory because this is the last thing on earth I want. Some program director calling me at uh, odd times when I don't even work at the station yet and assigning me to this kind of lame shit, which is the last thing I want to do is go down and cover. On the radio? Like, why is this on the radio? (laughs) Like, who gives a shit? I mean, I understand it. Uh, you know, it was a big deal. Uh, I, I didn't mind doing it uh, that much, but I was thinking if this is going to become a habit, then, uh, you know, I, I'm going to have to, uh, you know, find some other some other way to, uh, you know, put together a, a show and, and make a living. And, and I would have never really gotten to know you if that, that had happened. 100%. We, but there weren't a lot of options at the time. That This was actually the best of uh, – and, and it turned out it well. It worked out. I mean, uh, I mean it went yeah. over a decade. But you're going to make fun of me because not only – Am I thinking about going to this Fakakta thing that they're having, I guess, No, Sunday? get out of here. I don't have a press pass, and I'm not even thinking about getting one. Like, I think Shirley would actually enjoy this, because they're going to have, I think, like, three or four reggaeton artists. Like, it, it, 
The word is they're making this a huge fucking deal. And it's right down So this the is going to be what? Sunday at uh, And it's at down Lockhart the street. Stadium? It's in Fort Lauderdale. Most of the shit's in Miami. I don't have to go to Miami. I don't have to deal with all the Miami nonsense. Okay. All right. Down I'm the like, street. Do we go to this? <laughs> what is it going to be like? I mean, a situation, uh, can they really accommodate however many people? This isn't even like you need a ticket to a game. This is just a big celebration, the unveiling of uh, Messi coming to South Florida. Well, well, if it's anything like the fanfare that we saw yesterday, where the guy simply got off a plane and disappeared, then uh, th- this is really going to be uh, something, uh, a colossal uh, event, uh, the likes of which, uh, is it fair to say that we've never seen anything like it before? I- is the Inter-Miami CF capable of staging something like this? Uh, we're going to find out. This will be unprecedented. <laughs> I think the whole thing Jorge Nomas certainly has the fundage to uh, make this thing work. And uh, is he a sport? I mean, what kind of guy is Jorge Nomas? Do we know anything about him? Nothing. In terms of being a sporting owner, I mean, he's already accomplished a lot in uh, the way of getting things that, that he thinks were necessary. And look, look, they pulled off the messy deal. I, I mean, mean who, who's done that? Getting Pat messy. Riley, I guess, a couple of times. And that's that's about it, right? Getting messy to come to a fledgling league. And that's the thing. Look, whenever we've talked to people, we've now talked to people two or three, three times about MLS, which we I never thought we would do on the show. Uh, they all said the same thing, like... This hopefully gets the league into top 10 of leagues in the world. Like, you, you have to understand what that means. Like, right now, the league, as a league, isn't even one of the top 10 leagues in the world. Like, that tells you what the fuck this league is. Um, no, the, I mean, uh, it would seem like it was on the level of the CBA when, yes. when the CBA was in existence in yes. basketball. Yes, that, that's what it is. It's like CBA. You might find a player there. I mean, maybe, uh, you know, a guy with the astute eye for talent. Uh, and developing people like a Pat Riley can go in there and, you know, get an Anthony Mason and a John Starks. But, uh, you know, in general, you're, you know, probably going to find some guys that might have been overlooked or, or maybe got much better at being professional basketball players while they had a chance to actually, uh, you know, work out and, uh, you know, play against guys that were uh, comparable and, and pro potential, but uh, not necessarily uh, upper level, uh, upper echelon NBA talent. But um, I, I don't know. I mean, is there anybody else in the league that anybody talks about? But who else is a big star in the uh, MLS? I, 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 I hate to be ignorant about it. I, I don't mean I don't to know. be uh, uh, disparaging about it because I, I really I couldn't tell you. I, I, I don't know. I always thought of it as just kind of a secondary sort of minor league by comparison to uh, any of the stuff that goes on in Europe and a very undesirable destination for for players of this caliber. Unless, of course, you were at the very tail end of your career. Uh, did we catch Beckham while he still had some shelf life left in the league? And there are a couple of others. Phil Shane mentioned them. And, of course, their, their names escape well, me now. Well, there's other guys like uh, Higuain. And you've, you've had some guys, but they were done-done. Like that was good when you rattled those names off, too, when we had Phil Shane on the show. <laughs> I know just enough. You mentioned, like, two or three other guys. And I was like, holy shit, Ruby. You know your stuff. <laughs> That's three people. They, yeah. They've had these people, but they first of all, none of them are of the caliber of a Messi, obviously. And they were all done. Like, Beckham was done. Like, overseas didn't want him anymore. He was not making a club team. He was done. Was and his wife a pain in the ass, or is she okay? No, he was just old. He was just done. And and okay. he was never close to a mess. He was big because of the looks and the wife and all that, but he was never messy on the pitch. Like, They've never had anything like this. Like, Pele was done and was old as sin, and it was a league that it wasn't like it was televised. Well, most of the guys that came to the uh, North American Soccer League as, as international stars like that, a, a lot of them were pretty much, I mean, George Best, uh, you know, 
being being one of the examples. So guys were finished pretty much. Now, now they didn't have some good European players. I mean, that it, still you know were very 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 good. I mean, uh, where was Ray Hudson in terms of uh, international ranking and, and some of these other guys, Thomas uh, Rangan and you know they they had uh, other players on the strikers who, who you thought probably uh, could be playing in these European leagues. No. What was the NASL? I see. I actually thought that the NASL was a cut above what the MLS was uh, putting out in terms of a product. No, what, what do you think? I, I mean, uh, the, the Cosmos used to draw New York, especially when they had Pele, and they would get some uh, gigantic crowds. It's not as if the league has poor attendance, and have they not expanded immensely since uh, their origins? Uh, Major League Soccer. They have a lot of teams, and they seem to have uh, fairly solid followings in a lot of cities. Uh, is that a fair statement? Seattle always draws these huge crowds. Uh, I, I know the team in New York, uh, you know, does well. Why are you laughing? Andy's like, I remember when Mike Aruzioni and uh, Jim Craig upset the Russians in soccer. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Nobody knows shit about this. That's the beauty. Everybody's going crazy. And the aficionados, I mean, they finally won out, right? Those those words still haunt me from the uh, Sea Wayne Country Club. This is what I, I was uh, like twenty years, years old when I was there. Fifty years now, yeah. And Sam Lefrak comes over and taps me on the shoulder. The guy from Lefrak City. Uh, here's a slumlord. He comes over to me and he says, uh, "You know, and, and look, Luby, have you ever waited tables? I don't think you ever did. Did you ever delivery, wait tables? I was a delivery driver, so I did have to deal with people in the service industry in that sense. I never waited tables officially." I don't know if it works the same way with delivery know. drivers because, know. Uh, you know, when you're waiting tables, that there is the occasion that the people that are dining, you know, very well-to-do people in a lot of circumstances uh, are, uh, you know, at least engaging enough to ask you uh, if you have, and maybe they're repeat customers, you get to know them a little bit, and they ask you what your ambitions are, mm-hmm. right? They see a young guy, yeah, enterprising, is out there hustling, trying to please, and you're thinking, geez, well, why don't you just leave me a $10,000 tip? That'll take care of my problems. You fat. F- exactly. <laughs> no, no, exactly. you're not thinking like that. Yes, it is. For sure. uh, no, but I mean, I, I, I never felt, I don't know. I mean, uh, maybe I was not naive at the time. I, you know, I, I probably thought that the people had some interest in, you know, what, what I was talking about. Yeah, I'd like you to be a sports do. writer. Yeah. I want to be a sports announcer. And I remember telling a guy that, and I'm thinking, this guy doesn't give a flying one what happens to me the rest of my life. He got a zillion dollars, man. He didn't give, you know, half his shit. He's just hoping that his wife doesn't complain about the salmon sandwich that I brought her that was on rye bread that was split. Not not a half a sandwich, but split the long way. Oh, God. Like like you take a slice, one slice of, of rye bread, and you slice it down the middle of, of that one slice, but not in half. Is that... Am I making this clear? Like you yeah, actually, yeah, yeah, to make it, you you turn one slice of rye two. bread into two. Yes. How fucked up is that? I know that somebody pe- would request that. I mean, why don't you just eat a half a sandwich, lady? <laughs> That's true. You can just I'm going to go in the sandwich. back there and try to slice this thing like that. What am I, Paul Servino here? I mean, Goodfellas wasn't even out at the time. I was going to say, how do you even do that? <laughs> that was a very common order at the Sea Wayne Country Club. It really was. I only worked there a week. I got a lot out of it, obviously. Oh, geez, I mean, you only there a week? I've heard stories about this place for decades. <laughs> pretty sure I only worked there a week. I might have worked there a couple of weeks. That's funny. But um, it wasn't long. It wasn't a long tenure there, especially after they got wind of my French service technique, which, uh, you know. <laughs> 
Does everybody want to have an anchovy dropped in their lap while they're uh, being served a Caesar salad and they're wearing like an expensive designer gown? I, I don't think so. Probably wasn't, uh, you know, the best place for me to be, but, uh, you know, I had some experience at it. Anyway, I still remember the guy telling me, uh, well, geez, you know, you, you want to be a sportscaster, huh? One sport you ought to get to know is soccer. And I, it was all I could do to suppress my laughter. <laughs> Good thing I didn't have any liquid in my mouth. It would have been. Exactly. What are you kidding me, Sam? No wonder. I mean, uh, you know, you, you, you're, you're despised by everybody that you rent to. I don't know. Maybe he was overcharging for the uh, shitty apartments that they had there in Left Rack City. Was it was that a lousy place? Uh, there were a couple no, of guys. Yeah. That, yeah, that was a dump. Uh, anyway, he had made a lot of money on it, and he suggested to me that I study soccer. And this was circa nineteen had to be like nineteen seventy one, somewhere in that area. Jesus. And there was no way. I mean, come on. Whoever saw soccer being a big thing in the United States of America, nobody did. Uh, I don't know that it still is. I mean, do people just make themselves? You know, force themselves to like it because they think it's something cool that, uh, you know, oh, geez, I'm a soccer fan. I think the international stuff has 100% crossed over. People definitely watch the World Cup. The numbers for the World Cup are solid to good. Um, I think some of the other international leagues, EPL, Bundesliga, uh, the one that's in the Spain, the Spain, La Liga, do get viewership. I think they do a number I never thought you'd see in America. I think MLS, like I was telling our friend uh, Anthony, in certain cities, like you were alluding to, do really well. Portland, Seattle, Columbus, Atlanta, D.C. But overall, the MLS isn't a thing. I mean, none. Of, you'll never see a I sports I don't even know where they have teams. Do you? <laughs> I named five. I, I named mean, I know five a few, <laughs> but. <laughs> I, named, I did. I named five. That's all I know. <laughs> do they even uh, are the standings? Guess, uh, when, uh, when do they play that? That was the the question that we asked. Uh, who, who's a young gentleman that's uh, Austin, so good that which we may be having comes on from uh, Scoop's uh, Five Reasons Austin Sports. Austin Robillard, Austin, the wonderful Austin. Uh, that guy's good. I uh, see. It, it's interesting because it's kind of like gambling for us, where we haven't really taken advantage of it yet. But uh, you know the uh, the whole idea. People used to just cringe whenever you brought up the subject of gambling on a sports talk show. I don't know about the listeners so much. I, I think they kind of dug it because they were all degenerates. But uh, program directors, management people, is that all you're going to talk about is gambling? <laughs> and the minute you mentioned it, uh, you know, you, you would see the phone line up. I, I would see, you know, the uh, program director's direct line to you line up and go, tell them to stop right now and start talking about the Marlins. <laughs> you know, like, all right, so here are the standings, though. I mean, I have them here. Wow, there's a zillion teams. What are you talking about? There's like 30 to 32 teams. It's not... Like the WNBA. That's why I made fun of the WNBA because it's been around a long time. And to still only have 12 teams goes to our point more than Sarney's. Um, the MLS, as much as we've made fun of it, has like 30 teams or 32 teams. They have like a real number, like a real league. So, so they have to be enjoying some success to be able to expand to this extent. I mean, the Apple Plus deal, it, it, look, it wasn't what uh, ESPN does for the SEC, but it was a billion dollars for 10 years. And again, the SEC, it's like $4 billion for like a year and a half. But still, I mean, to hear the word a billion attached to the MLS was wow. sort of eye-opening. Uh, Inter-Miami CF sits at 5-13 and 13 oh, horrendous. prior yeah, to I getting messy. So, uh, and uh, last place yeah. in the Eastern Conference. Yep. Cincinnati has a team. They're doing real well. Uh, I don't know about attendance-wise, but uh, they do have a team that's atop the division there, uh, the conference, the Eastern Conference. Mm -hmm. uh, you have Nashville, New England, Columbus, Atlanta, Philly, 
Orlando? How does Orlando do as a soccer? Orlando, enemy? they were one of the teams to get one of the better guys a few years ago. Oh, what the hell is his name? From Brazil. Um, and so they had a nice little run, but they're, I don't think they're that good either. I mean, you're looking at the standings. DC United, they've been, uh, I think, DC around since solid. the beginning of yeah, the MLS. Uh, CF Montreal. So they've expanded into Canada. You have the Red Bulls. They're, they're a lousy team, but uh, they do get some attention, I believe, in New York and New Jersey area. Chicago, Charlotte. Uh, oh, the, the uh, is it the New York City Football Club, NYCFC? Is that New York City? So a couple of teams in that area. Uh, Toronto and uh, Inter-Miami. And then you have the Western Division, uh, St. Louis, Seattle doing real well, Los Angeles. Uh, there were there were three soccer teams in uh, various uh, minor leagues of uh, soccer in Los Angeles at one time, and, and none of them did any good. Oh, L.A. Uh, I knew L.A. Yeah, L.A. I knew L.A. The uh, Salt Lake City, Austin, no uh, Dallas, San Jose, Houston, Vancouver, Sporting KC. Uh, what is that? Minnesota United? Minneapolis United, I don't know, Portland, uh, the L.A. Galaxy, another team in Los Angeles, and uh, Colorado. Those are your uh, MLS teams. So they're all contributing to this whole messy affair, a very, very interesting development in, in sports as uh, one guy now owns the sport. Yes, 100%. That's literally, yeah. I'm surprised they haven't named Greg Norman commissioner yet. <laughs> He's going to be out of a job pretty soon. Did you catch any of that yesterday? No, yeah, I, it's funny. I was at, we were, I, I got to Vega and a guy that's always there looked at me because I saw people were mocking um, Rand Paul as a fucking lunatic. So he said one of his lunatic things. So that was all over Twitter. And I'm like, why is Rand Paul talking about golf? I'm like, what is going on? And then this guy asked me, he's like, why is the government involved in golf? I'm like, I have no idea. And then Ken, who knows a lot of this stuff, was like, pays attention, was like, no, the, the tax exemption shit. So they're allowed to. Yes. Of course, no one wants the Saudis involved. The tax exemption shit still exists, so they can threaten it when people who they don't want to buy stuff try to buy stuff. I'm like, I guess that makes sense. I didn't watch any of it. It looks like a dog and pony show. They're not going to, what are they going to do, cancel it? They're not going to cancel the goddamn thing. I'm sure it was for billions. Like, they're not going to do anything. No, nothing is going to stop this uh, merger from taking place. Uh, the status of the PGA as a charitable organization uh, did seem to be somewhat <laughs> suspect, did it not? Charitable for who? Monaghan? <laughs> exactly. Phil Mickelson, uh, you know, I mean, uh, who is who is really benefiting? Now, uh, you know, uh, you would have to say that at least it, it appeared, uh, and I would think that uh, some of this actually uh, manifested itself in something uh, of substantial worth, that uh, the PGA was generating many dollars for uh, various uh, worthwhile charities, no? I hope. Uh, yeah, I mean, the St. Jude <laughs> Hospital thing was big. I mean, so many others, it, it seemed like, and they were always uh, quoting these numbers. Well, geez, did you see that? We gave $8 million to local charities after uh, this uh, month's uh, uh, tournaments that were completed. Um, and, and for that, it was great. But uh, did they deserve the tax exemption? What is that? Uh, a, a Section 510 or something? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm using dragnet terms yeah. now. <laughs> we're working a uh, day watch out of night shift. Yeah. What, what are you, Jack fucking Webb DeForest? I mean, what are you talking about here? You're like one eight anyway, seven. <laughs> You're just yelling at codes. It's a code five. Yeah, <laughs> we got him on a four one seven. Bill Gannon, man, was a stooge, wasn't he? I mean, I Officer Gannon. I don't know Dragnet. You don't remember Dragnet, man? It was great. No, no, no. Webb was no nonsense. Uh, that so, was Sarney wanted you to know that there's ten games today on the MLS slate. 
Thank well, you. that's fine. I, you know, I don't have any problem with that. I'm glad there, you know, people enjoy it. Uh, it does seem odd, though, that, that somebody that actually had some viable shelf life left and could be playing for like Barcelona or Manchester Wherever United or any yep. of these big teams yep. is playing in the MLS uh, by choice. Uh, and especially since he was, I'm not, uh, this, I guess, is to be respected. They should have had him testifying in front of Congress. How did he turn down $500 billion? From the Saudis to take uh, what supposedly is being reported as a $50 million a year deal uh, with uh, a a lame soccer team. I mean, that's the other thing. It's not like he's going to a good team and he's going to enhance it. This isn't Aaron Judge playing for the Yankees. This is Messi playing for a bunch of schmanks. I mean, they play at Lockhart fucking stadium. Well, okay, so it's $50 million is just on his salary. That's the beginning, yeah. More than I thought they could give him. Remember, he gets a share of the Apple Plus they're, remember, they're paying like a bill. He, I don't know what part of Apple Plus, but he gets something. Not Apple. Apple TV. He's going to own the league eventually. Something from I Apple mean, TV. he's getting a piece of the team, the player. He gets Imagine. something from Apple TV. He gets something from the team, and he gets something from Adidas on merchandise. And if you've noticed, their merchandise on Messi has gone out of the fucking roof, and he gets a cut on all of that. So he'll probably get upwards of 100 to $200 million. And on top of that, this is probably forever. Like, that's the kind of deal it is, like a Jordan-type yes, shit. into perpetuity, so, this contract is as signed. we've learned in our lives, when you can own your own stuff, that's always better than what, whatever they're going to give you in the long run. Yes. It's going to be less than if you own your own shit. So, as a messy, it's worth it for him to come here for that. And on top of that, again, like all these people have said, his family lives here. He doesn't want to be in fucking Saudi Arabia. <laughs> like, he wanted to be here. So I'll be running around with some schmott on his head. Exactly. <laughs> Kicking a ball through the desert that doesn't even move, right? Do you ever try to play soccer in the hard, sand? It doesn't hard, work. Hard, hard, no. Hard. The most amazing version of soccer, though, that I've seen. I, have you seen this on the beach where they play soccer volleyball? They have a volleyball net. I've seen this, uh, I guess, uh, more in, uh, what, Delray Beach? They have a bunch of courts there. They, they had, like, a tournament going. And it was all these guys that, uh, that they play volleyball, only they use their feet and their head. That's they don't use their hands. Never seen this. Never. Never seen that? That is a wild game. I mean, it's hard enough to play beach volleyball, but uh, doing it that way is really insane. Those are the most talented guys I've seen in terms of handling of a soccer ball. But but you would have to think that this guy scores, what, five goals a game? I mean, if he doesn't get five goals a game, is he a stiff? Well, and that's the thing that Ken's bringing up is we know in basketball, one guy can matter a lot. LeBron can go to a shit Cavs team. And they suddenly are contending and winning titles, a title. Right. Okay. That's the question is in a sport that has 11 dudes, that's not football and a quarterback. Especially how, if they're not very good. I mean, how important now, again, he's bringing two guys along with him, Jordi Alba and Sergio Busquets, who at their time were top two. Listen to you, Luby. You are very impressive. But dude. the problem is they're old now. They're both in their mid thirties and in your mid thirties in soccer is like being in your mid thirties in tennis. So they're older dudes. But if it's a shit league, and Messi still is this great facilitator who can score. That It's an interesting experiment. Can they come in the middle of the season and help this team make a run at the playoffs? Like, that's actually I, – I don't know I don't know if I'll ever sit and watch a full game, but I'm going to keep an eye on them. I'm not going to lie. No, are we going to be relegated to having to watch full games so that we can tell a Messi story? Or do we just lose that part of the audience, Louie, permanently? No, we'll be able to comment on this, I, I would think, even if it's from an ignorant standpoint. <laughs> We've been doing that for years when it comes to the game and, and the sport of soccer or football or whatever you want to call it. And and to tell you the truth, I mean, obviously, we, we have tremendous respect for 
certain people, if you're, you're one of the best in the world at anything, I don't care what it is. If it's eating popsicles, you know, you still deserve uh, a lot of respect. And, you know, this is a game now that uh, surged in popularity uh, to the point where it's kind of taken over. I mean, it's interesting to see where, you know, this will leave us or it will be interesting to see because uh, what, what does the MLS season overlap into the football season? No, it's you know, in like August. real American football. I think it ends in August. There's some fucking tournament that's actually going to be down here. And that's what Messi's going to play in his first game. The 21st is in some tournament that's here. And then they'll get back to the season. I think it ends in August. Like, I think they're, there's, that's why there's only eight games at home. There's like 30 games overall. And I think like 15 games at home and half the season's done. So I think there'll be less than half when they resume. But I, but I, I, I looked all this shit up just so that we'd have some fucking clue. Well, I'm glad you're you're not, you know, completely uh, bereft of knowledge of what's going on with this. Uh, (laughs) But my only thing is that uh, how is it possible? And I wish somebody would do this just so we could stage this event, Libby. And I think it would be a classic for the show and uh, also a milestone in my career here in South Florida of trying to do things that that maybe were a little offbeat, a little bizarre. But uh, somebody should cop us a couple of tickets for this thing. No. I want to get and, press And then we, we should make a whole episode of the show out of me scalping these tickets to the game. What, wouldn't that be? I mean, that would be a classic. Me, Jeff DeForest, Depot, reduced to press, scalping soccer tickets. We can get press passes. Like, we still have enough connections in the town. Can we sell the press pass without want, getting into some kind of jackpot? That's usually a negative. I don't want to sell the press pass. Have you ever sold your press pass <laughs> to an event? <laughs> the only time. Or considered it because you were a little short on capital. The only time the I've time. ever futzed with the press pass was when you gave me yours because Vister Mama wasn't able to get more than, like, two for the yeah. derby. That was the only time when you gave me yours because the you had to go and the access was fucking amazing. That I we were not going to waste it. Like it's not only the green the green room is literally free alcohol, free food. Like you're with top notch media members from around the goddamn world that are just sitting there next to you talking about horse racing. Yes. Like, and you had to leave. So I remember taking yours and like covering the picture and like walking around. <laughs> yeah, I'm Jeff DeForest. It's me. Call I, me Defoe, man. Love horse racing. <laughs> what do you want to hear? Something funny? Uh, funny how? <laughs> No, you were great. I mean, you know, that, that made perfect sense, too. I mean, the access to that room with the food, that, that was unbelievable. I like the bar. And, then, of course, uh, you know, the, the main reason I wanted that pass was so I could uh, get involved in the simulcasting because <laughs> they had some cockamamie <laughs> thing about no simulcasting during the Kentucky Derby. They wanted you to just bet on the Churchill Downs races. Uh, they managed to uh, take a look at that policy and revise it in a more sensible fashion so that every degenerate can plunge his brains out. Who wants to wait 45 minutes between races? Once they get to the Derby and they get closer and closer, it's longer and longer between races. I would go out of my mind that they would have to provide some kind of a weapon so that you could (laughs) blow your brains out right there at the track. Talk about the horses dying. I mean, uh, it would have been people just checking out, passing out uh, from anxiety because they weren't able to get a bet down. All right, so that's happening. You're going to go Sunday, huh? When when is that taking place? Uh, The whole messy unveiling. I didn't say I am going. I said I, I, I... You're considering I'm thinking going. about going, which I never. That's would good ever. enough. I mean, you know that 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 takes care of the obligations of the show that you actually thought about. <laughs> Who can we send? I mean, uh, okay, so I was wrong. The regular season itself goes all the way through October. Supposedly, the season is nine really? months wow. broken into two parts, or so. I don't know. It's fucking insane. What do I take three months off or something? <laughs> I don't know. How can you have a season like that for this stupid game? How many know. times a week do they play? Once, twice. 
You're asking way too much. I, I'll try and get Austin on tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, we need some clarifications if we're going to do this. this so, I mean, no, we may have to leave town. <laughs> this could be a loser leaves town situation for the show. Yeah, this is not which good wouldn't be it. good. <laughs> All right. Well, we managed to kill some time with that. Uh, and, and Tony's going to join us later on. Tony Segreto. Little old school. I don't know if you thought this was going to work. I, I do remember when I came to town, and that's how I came across originally uh, the great chimp Namius, who uh, has become a friend of ours over the many years and, and has done us a lot of favors and is moving back into town here. Nice, uh, you know, mansion on the water he's building, custom made because uh, he made a ton of money out there on the West Coast oh, nice. promoting uh, these sports films uh, that uh, he was doing. And he used to bring these people around on Radio Row. And of course, I knew Chip from his days with the Fort Lauderdale Strikers. And, uh, you know, it, it was a rude awakening for me when I moved to Miami because uh, we didn't have shit. I, you know, that, that was the problem. You had a couple of teams. You had the Hurricanes were doing well in football, but they hadn't really established themselves yet. I mean, I'm talking about circa 19. Just don't want to say 1981 on that, Louie, trying to do the math just based on the birth of my son. All right. So I'm thinking it was July of 81. And uh, that was the time uh, right around that time I, I met uh, Jesse's mother. So figure that we had to go out for a little while before we actually, you know, made this, uh, you know, marvelous conception there of uh, what turned out to now be my 40 year old son. Uh, but so with nine months for pregnancy, uh, I would have had to have been here in 81, right? For Jesse to have been born in February of 83. Yes. Does that make sense? I would think as, unless you like knocked her up on a, like a first date, which I, from what you said, you didn't. Do no, that. it wasn't. It wasn't like that. No, it wasn't quite like that. I mean, we got married fairly quickly after meeting and then went ahead. I mean, I, I think this was by design that uh, we said, hey, yeah, let's go ahead and fire it up. Have a kid, right? Because uh, both of us were, were, you know, in our 30s, early 30s. We thought, well, now is the time if we're going to do it. There you go. Right? I mean, it's not like I'm De Niro or something or uh, Pacino or That's Mick Jagger crazy. or Keith That's Richards. That's insane. <laughs> well, you have a kid in your 80s. I mean, uh, let's face it. Are you really going to be able to take this kid out to T.Y. Park, shoot some baskets, and then go to shenanigans after? No. I'm already borderline. I'm already like, okay, dude, you got to have a kid now. You're fucking old. <laughs> Try going one-on-one with your 16-year-old when you're in your 60s, Louie. Yeah, I'm going I'm to be bordering that. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. So, yes, uh, you had. I would say you got her mid-81. Because your son was born. Uh, it was July. I, I moved here in July. Uh, I, I remember that distinctly because it was on fire, the uh, temperatures here, even though it, it was pretty hot in L.A. where I had come from. Uh, and, uh, you know, I want to say, like, you know, the, the first big sporting events uh, I attended, uh, you know, first thing I did, uh, I met uh, Schnellenberger at, at a nice. press conference prior to the uh, Hurricanes. I, I, I didn't really get into the sports coverage, though, until a couple of months later. I got a job like about two months later at uh, 940 Wind. So uh, my first thing that I did was go to a Howard Schnellenberger press conference uh, previewing a game. Uh, it's good to have you here, uh, Defoe. We want to welcome to town. Uh, uh, I came from uh, Los Angeles, California, all the way here to Miami. And uh, and Schnelly was promising national championships, and everybody was looking at him like he was flat out out of his mind. But um, he, he did uh, have a decent season that year. And then, of course, uh, the next year won the national championship uh, in a probable fashion. Uh, we had three guys here. Still remember Schnelly. You, you can remember Schnelly. Uh, why? Is it because of the voice or because of what he had to say? I think both. Like, both. The voice right. is great, but he also didn't give a shit. Like, he was, he went out there and said some stuff. Like, the stuff he said earlier. Well, and he was tremendous. I mean, he, he really was. He, he sort of was like Ron Frazier with pigskin. 
because, uh, you know, Ron Frazier was great promoting uh, Hurricane Baseball. Hurricane Baseball was uh, probably, I don't know, maybe this is a bit of a stretch, but it was about as prominent and maybe more in the public eye than Hurricane Football was just a couple of years prior to, uh, you know, Schnelli arriving here. I mean, they were about to go out of business. They were ready for contraction, extinction. I mean, they were going to be done. They were giving up the program, throwing a towel here. Uh, Miami, no, we don't have football, but we have a great baseball team. They had no basketball either at that time. Can you imagine? I mean, how hard is it to field a basketball team? Maybe you need five guys. Are you kidding me? You go down to intramurals, you see if you got a couple of kids who can play, right? Some Jewish kids from Brooklyn and uh, just happen to matriculate their way down here to Miami to take a couple of classes because they saw the girls in the bikinis by the pool. And they said, that's the place for me. And uh, didn't have much, but uh, the strikers uh, were like the secondary consideration, if you can imagine this, Luby, in terms of team sports coverage here. I, I guess third, because uh, it was the Dolphins, of course, number one. Uh, the Hurricanes were, were sort of moving in the direction of coming into some kind of a prominent focus. And then, uh, you know, you, you were always going and, uh, you know, trying to figure out what we can do with, with striker sound on sportscasts. Jesus, really? John Van Beveren, man. <laughs> oh, my God. Had some Jan Van Beren, some Eckert Krautsman quotes. I used to tease uh, Chip all the time. Hey, can you get me some Eckert Krautsman quotes? <laughs> I'll use them in my next sports cast. Oh, my God. <laughs> he was a coach of the team, Eckert Krautsman. Okay. Not, not the most, uh, I mean, he kind of made Joe Philbin uh, look like uh, <laughs> like Johnny Carson. I mean, <laughs> Eckert Krautsman, he was a serious dude. Oh, my God. Uh, and the team, I mean, they had colorful people. Uh, Rangan was a great guy, Thomas Rangan, Thomas Rangan. And, and of course, uh, who wouldn't want the human quote machine, Ray Hudson? He was that way Hudson, yeah. even back then uh, in the day. Uh, striker games were big, though. Uh, Hank Goldberg was like the color analyst on the striker games on the radio. They carried him on the radio. Rick Weaver, he uh, he, rap, he cocked him out of there, and uh, that ball came out of there like a wet watermelon seed. He was using all of his football cliches to describe soccer, because I don't think he knew anything <laughs> about soccer. He had a great voice, though, for, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, he had a great play-by-play voice. Even if what he was saying made no sense, it didn't matter because it sounded good. <laughs> and that was it. And Henry Barrow. I don't know. You remember Henry I've Wheel Barrow? Yes, I've heard the name. He was on the sidelines. Think we got an ankle, Rick. All right, back up to you. <laughs> None of them know anything about soccer. <laughs> Nothing. You think Hank knew anything about soccer? He hated it. <laughs> he had to pretend that he liked it because he was on the air. Oh, my God. I don't know if Joe Zaganke got involved in any of that stuff. But, uh, you know, and in my capacity, and IOD was carrying the games. I didn't work at WIOD then. Uh, you know, that was earlier on. And so we would attend these press conferences and act like it was important. And that was it. I, when's Pele coming to town? That was my only question. When's Pele coming in, Chip? Can you get him on the show? <laughs> <laughs> has it changed that much? I mean, uh, you know, uh, certainly the sports landscape here has changed, uh, you know, dramatically. Yes. As uh, we brought in all of these other teams, much like Las Vegas is about to do, Luby. <laughs> Have you, you know, caught this now, Adam Silver? Yeah, we went in. Think about that. Uh, <laughs> what was it, 2017? Six years ago that the uh, Las Vegas Golden Knights came into existence as an expansion team in Las Vegas. And everybody was like, whoa, are you kidding me? They're putting a team in Las Vegas. What are we going to do? You're gonna That's it. Corruption. You're going to count gambling, degeneracy. Idiots. Then uh, what? They added a WNBA team. Was that the next one to oh, come in maybe. there? Yeah, maybe. I didn't realize they had a WNBA team. They have a WNBA team. They're, they're like the best in the league. Just ask Jim. <laughs> They have my girl, Kelsey Plum, man. She can chuck it. She can chuck the rock. Worth go. watching, Luby. Kelsey Plum. 
Uh, but, uh, yeah, what was it? The Las Vegas Aces is the uh, WNBA team. I'm not sure if they were the second one because uh, uh, you did have uh, now the Raiders have moved into town. Yes. Uh, you had, so you have the Golden Knights. You're having the A's come there and yes. the NBA once in. There, there'll be an NBA team in Las Vegas, I will predict, in what? The next five years? So are they, are they talking about expansion? Or are they talking about moving? Expansion, yes. Uh, you're talking about expansion. Adam Silver was talking expansion the other day. So are they going to They got Wembenyama now, and uh, you know what? They need more teams. But how many? Because so, they have an even number of teams, right? So then you would do two? Like, how does that Talking work? about uh, putting a team in, in either or both, uh, the leading uh, candidates for uh, teams for expansion or in expansion would be Las Vegas and Seattle are the two markets that the NBA supposedly is looking at uh, with uh, tremendous uh, concentration and clarity oh, that, wow. uh, that this is probably going to happen sometime in our <laughs> lifetime movie. That's crazy. Which is, you know, not saying so much for you, but saying a lot for me. I think it's going to be sooner than the lifetime. I mean, they're not going to let all these other leagues make money off the city. When they were, the, they were the first one that had no problem going to Vegas. They would go to Vegas for all-star games. They were all about fucking Vegas. So if any league's going to be there, it should be the NBA. It's funny that they're going to be the last of all the leagues. Well, it happened here in Miami. I mean, we, we got our first uh, team other than the uh, teams that we were just discussing. I mean, it was a pretty pretty scant sports landscape. We depended on a lot of other stuff here to uh, carry us through the year, Luby. It was almost like the COVID-19 year was for us on the radio where there was nothing happening because yeah. uh, you had the Dolphins, and you know, there was always the same same uh, narrative going with that team all along. Are we going to waste the Marino years? Yeah, we pretty much did. <laughs> Sorry, Dan. Yes, we we fucking will. wasted them. Yes, we will. 20 years, man. You were chucking a rock like a champ there, like Johnny Unitas. And uh, we sat there on our hands and uh, behind. We didn't even have the offensive line excuse back then because we had Richmond Webb and Keith Sims, Tim Ruddy. They, they had a, a fair offensive line, did they not? Yeah, and they would fill in the right side, would like they'll grab some guy under the Canadian Football League that was, you know, built like a uh, you know piece of granite. And it wasn't like, you know, they, they were the greatest, but, uh, you know, not bad, right? Richmond Webb, perennial uh, pro baller. Sims uh, had to be very good, no? I mean, he, he always made the pro ball as well. Did he just draft in there? I love Keith Sims, but uh, – and he was a quote machine. He, he was like one of the best guys to go to. He and Tim Ruddy were my two go-to guys desperate for Dolphin Sound, uh, even after a loss. No, after a loss, we used to go to Stojanovic because uh, the kicker was the only guy talking. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Right. Hey, Reggie, you got a minute? Right. You're looking for Reggie Roby in the locker room. Where's Reg? Where's Reg? What did you think, man? Was that a bad call in that third quarter? Like the punter would know, right? The guy was on the sidelines there, eyeballing the babes in the third row. Thinking, uh, geez, they're wearing me out today. This is my 13th time out here on the field. I was going to go have a smoke underneath the uh, stands there. Danny's got another three and out, man. Come on, duper. Can't you catch the ball? Exactly. Uh, no, we, I mean, think about that. We had Super Duper. We had Mark Clayton. Went to one stinking Super Bowl all those years with Dan Marino. Yep. And, and a respectable offensive line. How bad was the defense of this team? Well, that was the thing is after the Killer Bees early in the 80s, their defense was the issue. It wasn't the offensive line. The offensive line has been the issue the last 20 years. But in the late 80s and 90s, the issue was last the 20 defense. years. Yeah, yeah, it was the defense. <laughs> It's only been the last 20 years. It's been, it's been 20 years. It's been <laughs> my what is whole Chris Greer doing, man? I don't know. Yeah, we, we can't find five fat guys who can block. My, dad, my, my buddy makes fun of me, but even though it's not really me, it was my dad because I've known him forever. The guy, Justin, that does movies. I've yeah. known him since Hebrew school in like fourth grade. And he remembers my dad. So this is the late 90s or mid 90s. Yes. My dad bitching about the offensive line. 
in like when I was in like high school. <laughs> and I'm 40. <laughs> Imagine that, yeah. It's been a long time. It really has. It's been a long time. Hey, look, I used to have to log four hours on those radio pregame shows before Dolphin Games. And, uh, you know, of those four hours, I would say three hours and 59 minutes plus maybe 40 or 50 seconds were, were spent going, well, you know, if we can get some blocking today, we certainly have the weapons out there. And that was it. But we had uh, little to discuss back then. So the uh, strikers were prominent. Uh, is that going to go full circle now, full cycle? And, and have the MLS team in town, which I have paid zero attention to, 0.0, outside of the fact that, uh, you know, we love Ray Hudson and we know he's doing a color analysis. But what radio station carries their games? Do we even know? Oh, is there a radio station? Oh, good for them. I didn't know. Does somebody carry uh, Inter-Miami CF games on the radio? I, I want to say. I think someone does. I couldn't tell you. Okay, it has to be streaming somewhere or what? I mean, where do they broadcast their games? Mm, maybe online. They... Yeah, maybe, maybe online. My God. I mean, that's all going to change, huh? Oh, yeah. How long does that last? I mean, if Messi doesn't score in the first game, does everybody stop going? <laughs> Five, six. What's all the hype about? This guy sucks. The 560 airs games like now? Like, like if you go. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's saying 560, Cerny. I, I... It's possible. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I would say yes to that. Where else would they be? I don't know. I mean, that's a great Some question. Some Spanish station uh, carries them. Uh, do they have also an Hispanic broadcast? That well, they I would do? presume they definitely have a Spanish one. If they if they have an American, if they have an English one, I would think they have a Spanish. Do we have anyone besides Jim Sarney in our audience that that listens to these games? Please uh, go ahead and uh, say uh, yay or nay on the uh, chat line here, because uh, that's a real curiosity. Now, if you're listening to soccer on the radio, it, it doesn't translate well to the radio. <laughs> Said, it's brutal soccer, on TV. It's brutal live. Soccer must be a great game to listen to on the radio. <laughs> Imagine it. Well, uh, there it is. Uh, the ball's up in the air uh, there. And, uh, oh, bounces game. off his head and uh, into the stands. How do you go? Oh, now I want to listen. And the sound, the uh, endless, uh, you know, sound of Vuvuzelas in the background. Caused, I, I caught parts of baseball, parts of basketball, parts of football, and they all have their own challenges, but they're they're all pretty easy to call. I, I how do you call soccer? Like, do you just keep saying names of players? I don't know. We like, used to do it. <laughs> just every once in a while, you you have to ratchet up the energy level because there's a chance that somebody might actually get a shot on goal. But when there are three shots on goal in the entire game, and the goalie yes. comes away with two saves. <laughs> It's not like you have to be Steve Goldie Goldstein. Can you believe this? I was going to say, Goldie calls hockey and does it well. So it's like, yes. can call a sport. But there's hockey, a pace to hockey. It moves. There's lots of, exactly. There's 30 shots each team in a hockey uh, Even, game, even like, when nothing's happening. Like, like, you know, people would make that comparison all the time. And, you know, we even had that clip for a while about, you know, how uh, I, I would sit there and tell you that hockey was great as a spectator sport, but soccer blows. Yes. And yet, I mean, uh, you would look at the scores and uh, you you don't have a whole lot of scoring, although that's changed in the NHL. You're seeing higher scores. Uh, the pace, though, is blistering in hockey by comparison to, uh, you know, soccer, where the field is obviously too large. H how did that get started, that they decided to have a field that's bigger than any other field in sport <laughs> for a stupid game like that where you don't even get to use your hands? Don't get me started. Brian's Do I break into the mutant society material? I mean, uh, 
Brian's like <laughs> soccer talk boring. I'm like, well, we're not really doing soccer talk. I don't think you're ever going to get us breaking down the left back and the forward and any of that shit. We, we would be incapable of doing that. <laughs> Let's face it. Uh, that would be a complete farce. Yeah. Everything that you ever said about Stephen A. Smith would no longer <laughs> exactly. be applicable. Because we'd be doing the same thing, talking about something we know nothing about, which, <laughs> you know, is fairly common in the sports talk world. <laughs> no, it's interesting from a lot of angles. This is monumental. I, you know, the fact that it is, I think, makes it interesting. Because uh, yeah, yeah. for me, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's a crummy league that uh, has always been deemed to be inferior. They somehow have expanded to 30 teams. They have a cockamamie system here where they have only uh, two divisions or conferences, uh, East and West, 15 teams in each. Is that good? Is that something the sports fans should embrace? Yes. Do you dig the four-team division in the NFL? Uh, you know, I mean, we're talking about, well, geez, who's going to win the AFC East? There's only four stinking teams. You got a 25% chance of being right, no matter who you pick. Well, maybe a little less if you're taking the uh, Patriots this year. They'll probably win the division, no? Patriots? Oh, what no. do you think? I, I'm pretty strongly in that belief that they will not <laughs> win the division. Jones finally figures it out under Belichick. Belichick just being the best coach in the division by far, you would have to say, uh, you know, uh, overshadows uh, the other guys. And uh, from a strategic standpoint, is so brilliant that it doesn't matter that he has inferior players and he gets past the point where he's still crying about not having Tom Brady. How could Tommy leave me? I, I don't think he minded, huh? At, at the end, Tom Brady, you think uh, Belichick and Brady were sick of each other? What do you think, Libby? hundred uh, percent. Oh, yeah. yeah. We're definitely sick of each other. Sick I mean, of each other, yeah. Belichick doesn't care about his players and his yeah, players. Is that it. true or is that, uh, you know, just a perception that we have because he's so cold with the media? Do, do you believe that he doesn't care about his players? I, 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 I want to say that, uh, you know, for the most part, what? Look, he, some, he's, some a different, greats- he's a different person completely when, he, when he's around these players, no? The the other, some of the greats, uh, former Patriot greats have had, well, they all say he's not the same guy. He's funny. Fine. Yeah. But he does get rid of players before their shelf life is done. So a lot of But players, that's business. I mean, so he, he's a straight up businessman when it comes to that. And that's smart. But when you hear, like, former players, when they talk about Shula, when they played for him, he was a... a Tough SOB. had more fatherly but after type they, of, uh, you know, persona. They all spoke a very, more fatherly persona. Very highly of him, right? After yeah. the fact. Belichick, you don't get most of his ex-players don't change <laughs> don't change their tunes so much. Like, yeah, some of the Teddy Bruskies of the world that got to be lifers, sure. But like Lawyer Malloy, Ty Law, Brady, like He's God, not spoken of like ex UCLA players talk about the wizard. He's, he's not. Like, I, I yeah. don't know what that means about him, but they don't talk about him. Asante Samuel is, is all over Twitter ranting about the fucking Patriots. Like, the Patriot yeah. way is good for the people that are there. They don't seem to be happy about it once they leave. Well, and also it's interesting because it, it worked for 20 years when they had that dynamic, which most people would say the most important dynamic you can have in professional football or any level of football is a coach quarterback. You, you need a top-level coach and a top-notch quarterback. And if you have both of those, then they can uh, kind of find some kind of common ground where they can work in tandem together uh, for the overall good and, uh, you know, don't have a lot of acrimony constantly being expressed and uh, uh, differential. Um, that, that, you know, that, that's really the number one key to success. 
So they had that for 20 years, but they don't have that anymore. No. Where you, you have that type of quarterback uh, that you can say, well, geez, how could you lose with this guy? Especially if he's being coached by that guy. Yeah. And they don't have that dynamic. But um, will that work? I mean, that same formula. No. Because they don't have that going for them anymore. Where, you know, you do get rid of good players before their, you know, uh, usefulness has worn thin. Or, you know, as uh, Belichick used to do, he, he would... It was wild, right? He would trade like Willie McGinnis, you know, and you're like, wait a minute, the guy's in his prime. Yes. Richard Seymour was the classic case where Brady, even Brady, who should have been done when he won the fucking Super Bowl after the fact. And I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I it, it, He looks like a genius when he has Tom Brady as quarterback and they're winning Super Bowls with Wes Welker as a number one receiver. Yeah. Um, or they, I guess they didn't win a Super Bowl with Welker. When they're winning Super Bowls with Julian Edelman as a number one receiver. But when Brady's gone, then you need talent, and they have had an issue with talent. And in that division, which seems really weird to say, there's a talent overload right now between the Bills, the Jets, and the Dolphins. So their talent disparity to me is going to bear out. Like, I, I don't see them making some magical Belichickian run. Like, I think right. they're sort of fucked. If he wins the uh, division, though, you would have to concede that Belichick is the greatest of all time. No. Yeah, but, uh, I, I, I don't know that he is, but uh, I mean, they, he seems to me, he, he did a lot with the team last year, even. I, I mean, they, they were a bunch of scrubs. Look, he's clearly a good coach, whatever the professor would or would not say. I also will say the cheating's in there. I mean, the fact they've been popped like four or five times, however stupid, they still have been popped four or five times, says something about a league that everyone's cheating. Why has one team gotten popped four or five times? Like, it fits in there. So I don't know what you do with his his le- the word legacy and Belichick are going to be very interesting. Brady, I think, yeah. is going to get off, and he's going to be the greatest ever, and there's not going to be questions. I think the fact that the Patriots will struggle. I actually wonder if he catches Shula now because he needs to win, like, I think like 10. He needs to win double-digit games over the course of like four seasons or some shit to catch Shula, and he's old. And I don't see him winning more than five to seven games a year. So I, I'm curious if he catches Shula, which seemed like a formality a few years ago. Well, and also uh, the, the question is out there now, will he become the losingest coach in professional football before he becomes the winningest coach? He's close to the uh, to the top of the list of uh, you know most games lost, yeah, as you, you might imagine. Wrong, I mean. Yeah. So th- that's a possibility, too. How do we get on Belichick, man, from missing? I don't know how you did that. That's an interesting way to ramp up an hour of rambling. We, we did nothing there, Libby. We didn't even talk about the All-Star game. Okay. National League uh, got off to Schneid, my friend. We we predicted that, did we, we did. not? We, we said did. they were due. Nine yes. straight losses. Now, that defies normal baseball betting protocol, which is bet the team that's on the streak to continue that streak until it ends. Well, guess what? It ended last night. 3-2, dramatic uh, home run in the eighth inning. As uh, you had this uh, Colorado Rockies catcher, Elias Diaz, it's a two-run home run in the eighth inning, and that propelled the National League to the to the win, three to two over the American League. Uh, many people uh, that I saw that are uh, known to me to be real diehard baseball fans thought it was a real good game, the uh, All Star game. Others, and the reason I brought up uh, you know Chip earlier, Chip Namius, is uh, an astute observer of all sport and, and a giant Sarnie like fan of all sports. I don't know if he gets into you know the minutia of. Uh, women's junior varsity lacrosse but uh, still i mean a guy that will you know have an opinion and uh, one that i usually respect uh, greatly about all sports he, he said they really fucked up the all-star game by going away from a lot of traditions like what and he named off oh, well and you know the uniforms don't they usually wear the uniform of the team when I was did gonna, that stop? Oh, that's funny you said that because i'm 
I was I saw a few innings because I was on when we were doing the trivia, and Arise brought in the one that the tying run, so I sort of piqued my interest. Um, I was looking for a marker of their own teams, and I thought yeah. they either wore the hat or their jersey, like I, or at least it was a patch. Like, do they want to not advertise the teams? Like, I don't understand. Uh, that's one of the charm of the game, is it not? <laughs> yes. You see the guys in the different uniforms, and you can identify your player right away. Uh, those uniforms that National League uh, were wearing uh, reminded me, I, I think I had a similar uniform when I was uh, a, a, an eighth-place hitter for Kaiser Steel when I lived in Fontana, California. <laughs> and the reason I was batting eighth was because uh, everybody else uh, could hit the ball about 500 feet, even though and this was deadly. I don't know. Have you guys ever played with an oversized softball? There is what? Uh, the clincher was what? A 12-inch ball? Is there a 16-inch softball? I want to say yes, that that's what we used, a 16-inch softball. Because these guys, these steelworkers were so strong, Luby, that you couldn't keep the ball in a park unless you had like a, a medicine ball, essentially, that you were using in slow-pitch softball. And, uh, you know, uh, virtually every bat, the scores would be like in the 30s. Uh, you know, every guy that came up there just crushed the ball. And then you would hit something as hard as you could possibly hit a ball. And, and you were lucky to get a Louis Arise single up the middle. That That's how tough that was. But, uh, yeah, I think we had similar uniform. Didn't that look like a softball team out there? National League All-Stars? The jerseys were weird. <laughs> the pants uh, just uh, didn't really the fit like a, you know, it was weird. Yeah. What the hell was that? <laughs> He also talked about, I don't know, the intros. Did they screw up the intros somehow? I didn't catch all of this. But uh, Chip was railing away about, how, uh, you know, the standard intros of everybody on the sideline there coming out to the uh, foul line for their respective team. Uh, they did something differently there. And I, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, that, he had a lot of uh, litany, a list of things that uh, he thought uh, they had gone away from uh, the usual baseball traditions. You don't want to fuck with tradition in baseball, do you? Yeah, you really don't. I they mean, are, uh, that, and they have. They they mess with a lot of tradition when it comes to baseball. I don't know if it's working. Uh, you know what? As appalled as I was about the idea of putting a guy on second base, though, in extra I mean, inning games, stupid, I, I'm a fan of it now. Oh, you are. I think that's the stupidest. <laughs> I, I I don't want to see 32 innings though. Oh, I, I mean, I, yes. I, there was a time I might have. I mean, uh, you know, but all other sports uh, have a way. I mean, in tennis, they played a tiebreaker, which I think was a, a great asset to the game. Because uh, you didn't want to see that, uh, you know, kind of thing where you had, who was the guy, Isner, and uh, the uh, Frenchman. And, and they played Mahout, Nicholas Mahout. Remember, they played like a 65-63 yeah, yeah. final set at Wimbledon because they had that stupid rule. I, you just play a tiebreaker. If you want to extend it to a 10-point tiebreaker, fine. It's, you know, it's uh, you know ridiculous to uh, subject people. That, that, that match took like four days to complete. <laughs> 65, I don't, it might have even been higher than that, but but they played into the 60s in terms of uh, games to decide the fifth set because nobody could get ahead by two games. Nicholas Mahout, <laughs> is that his only distinction as a, a tennis player, that he took Isner to 65 games in the fifth? I would not know him otherwise. And, and how do you come back from that then and play another match? I mean, it's ridiculous. So so that was a good rule. Um, you know, in hockey, they found a solution to it. Um, what? Football, uh, they really, uh, you know, they don't have really an overtime situation that uh, you would look at and go wow that makes perfect sense now because uh they, they really need to address this remember when we had jason cole flabbergasted that we actually had a theory that was <laughs> based on on sheer brilliance and and yet uh, nobody will embrace it because it's too too easy right just uh you pick up the game where it left off in overtime 
So if it's third and two from the one yard, I mean, uh, you know, your own one yard line, that that's that's what it is, right? That that's where you pick it up, and and you just add some time to the clock and and continue whatever was going on in the game. But would that not be the fairest way to end a professional football game? What do you think? Luke? I know you love or, or college for that matter. Why why do you have to go to some scheme? I like the college one, but uh, yeah, I I know you like this. It, it seems like the multiple NFL people you've talked to have never seen it happening. <laughs> I am because it makes too much sense, right? They go in all of this bullshit. It's crazy, right? Well, we'll flip a coin, and then somebody gets the ball, and if they get a touchdown, they win. But if they don't get a touchdown, then we continue the game. Stupid. All right, Tony Segreno. He's uh, going to join us next. Uh, we'll see what he thinks about this whole messy situation. Has he seen anything like it? Well, guy's been covering sports here asked, for 100 yeah. years. He's what seen, else compares? He's seen guys come, guys go, teams win, teams lose. Yeah, he's been here for all of it. Olympics. Well, and he was around in the day where you had to pretend that, like, the NASL was important. Yes. I'm sure right? he covered it. <laughs> I wonder how many Eckerd – did he do the Eckerd Krautsen show? We'll find out when Tony Segreto <laughs> joins us here to go old school for it. Period of time here in this uh, next hour of the show. Have we really been babbling about nothing here for an hour and change? That, that's we're getting really good at this. <laughs> the last couple of shows have been a mess. Back with more in a moment. Now that it's uh, eight oh four. Hey, folks. Tony Segreto here. Let me ask you a question. What do you look for when you go out to eat? Good food, obviously, friendly atmosphere, not too loud, but good energy, reasonable prices, and a place where you feel comfortable. All those ingredients, no pun meant there, are hard to find unless you're talking about the Texas Roadhouse. You see, they encompass all of those attributes. Really, really good food, amazing atmosphere, good for a family, good for a date, or just a night out for yourself, and prices that will make you extremely happy. Their ribs unmatched, steaks hand cut every day. Everything, and I mean everything, is made on site, including their incredible bread. It's the one day, folks, that you can forget about low-carb diets. Trust me when I tell you, Texas Roadhouse, your restaurant, your destination, when you say, where should we go and eat tonight? From the newly renovated sports bar to the beautiful bayside views captured at the Tiki Bar, Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill has it all. Located at mile marker 104, the Big Chill also offers waterfront dining, while experiencing breathtaking sunset views of the Florida Keys. It's simply the hottest spot in the Keys to cool off. That's Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill at mile marker 104 in Key Largo. For more information, call today at 305-453-9066. What we gonna do right here is go back, way back, back into time. We are now kicking it old school with the one and only Tony Segreto. Brought to you by Catholic Health Services and Texas Roadhouse. There he is. All right. And I'm hoping he's in South Florida here because, uh, wow, it's yeah. awfully wet in your uh, second home there in Vermont. Uh, do you live near Montpelier by any chance? Tony no, Spreto joins us here. <laughs> Tony, how are you? I'm fine, thanks. I'm about uh, an hour an hour south of, uh, of Montpelier. Montpelier. I've been to but, Montpelier. Uh, I actually had in-laws there for a period of time. During one of my marriages, very, very, I mean, pretty quaint. Yeah, it's uh, like, place. There, there isn't a city that isn't quaint in Vermont. Yes, so, that's true. <laughs> quaint. That, that would that's be. the way it is. Uh, but, but it's a shame. I mean, some towns. What the hell is happening there, Tom? I mean, how does this happen? They, they said like it's worse than Irene. Really? And Irene yeah. was really bad. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah. was this no, something that uh, people no, could sense was, was no, a possibility? No, no one, no one had any idea of what was going on. And now it's just devastation. Um, we're high enough up, so we're not, we're not impacted by it other than a soggy yard. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, I thought you were going to say we're high enough that we're not impacted by it. Cause <laughs> well, uh, we are, but <laughs> it's high in general. Yeah. yeah, we are in general. Uh, but all in all, thank God we're, we're okay. But around us, uh, we can't get into town. We can't get into um, any place. So Th- this uh, was just from massive rain, though. I mean, this isn't snow massive, melting in the mountains no, or anything. Massive, uh, massive rain. Wow, massive rain. Does rain it rains so, like that normally? Like they get like the summer no, showers are that bad? It's just it's nonstop. Jesus, global warming. Global warming. Yeah. You think there's some to it? Oh my God! Yeah. <laughs> Not if you ask the Republican Party here. I mean, they want to make America great. Well, if again, we ask the Republican good. Party, there's you know. Well, let's move on, shall we? <laughs> All right. I mean, I guess hey, it comes I under the heading. In. Yes. Go ahead. I want to weigh in on something. I enjoyed the All Star Game. I All enjoyed right. the uniforms. Were yeah that blab you know yeah i mean I, I wouldn't be inclined to not enjoy the game based on that i but, mean you know but it was something that people were pointing to i thought that the, they were innovative they were talking to players while they were playing um they were just innovative the, the whole way uh the whole game i thought that the, the red carpet you know they, they have to make it entertaining for the people and and that's the way they're gonna that's the way they're gonna do it it's funny, though, uh, when I was growing up and around the same time as you, uh, I remember, A, they had two All-Star games. Yeah. yeah. Uh, B, you did not have interleague play, so that uh, also added an element uh, of, uh, I guess, intrigue to the game that, that wasn't there because uh, these guys had never seen each other, and you wanted to see. I mean, yeah. could the Mick uh, hit against Bob Gibson? Yeah. And, uh, you know, so there was that element in play that uh, we had no evidence of, and you know, and, and then there seemed to be, I, I don't know. I mean, is, is there that same sense of league pride? Because uh, you also had players that stayed with teams for long periods of time, whereas now, you know, in, in the same season, they can end up playing in both leagues. It's not uncommon. Um, but but it seemed like it meant a lot, the, the actual game itself, as evidenced by uh, Pete Rose knocking over Fosse yeah. there, you know, in, in a desperate <laughs> attempt to score. I mean, that they played the game with... with you know, not everybody uh, to that level of intensity, but but it seemed to matter. Yeah, it did seem to matter. And and this year, for the first time, I, I swear, uh, maybe I was looking for it. Maybe I maybe I was hoping for it. Uh, I felt that they were doing that. Uh, I felt that they were um, they, they, that they cared, that they uh, mattered, that uh, that that what they did would would go down and would, would play play a role in, 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 in the, at the end of the season. Um, in the years past, the past 10 years, no, not at all. But, but I think this year they saw that. I'm glad Bud Sealy got, I mean, you know, he's no longer there, but uh, I mean, that, that was about as dumb as you could get when, uh, I, you know, I thought anyway, the significance of the all-star game should not have impacted home field advantage for the world series. Well, well it's gotta, it's gotta do something. It's gotta impact something. I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's okay fine. with me being an exhibition. I I, I, one has nothing to do with the other. I mean, uh, you're talking about teams fighting all year to get in a position where they would be the home team. I, I would rather at that point see them just alternate year in and year out and say, okay, it was American League last year. I mean, I'm talking record. about I don't, I don't advantage for the World well, Series yeah, yeah. And, and National League this year, but the All-Star game seemed like a silly thing to uh, attach to it. 
but yeah, most people thought I, I didn't watch it all last night, but I, I saw I didn't some either. Of it. I saw bits and pieces of it, but but the parts I saw, I really enjoyed. Yeah. Well, what I'll say is, and I, and I to be really honest, I forgot it was on. Like at the beginning, like the professor, we were at a bar, and even though there's only four t or what, eight TVs in the bar, usually they cover all the sporting events. What you, go, what, 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 you need to go to Texas Roadhouse? No, I, I was doing my trivia, but I would love to have been at Texas Roadhouse. Yeah. Um, we were doing our trivia at Vega Lounge. Uh, Texas Roadhouse, I'm sure, had it on. Vega Lounge did not have it on. And Ken had to be like, you notice that it's not on. I'm like, oh, shoot, you're right. So we put it on. And, and nobody cared? No one cared. No one asked for wow, it. Ken wow. had to ask. But what I will say is, once it was on, and I think this is the bastardization of all the other sport all-star games, once it was on, we've talked about this, it was the closest to real baseball that you'll get in an All-Star game. Hockey, basketball, football are such a disaster when it comes to All-Star games that once I watched it, I was engaged. I'll give you that. Like, they seemed to give a crap. Like, the players were legging out singles, and Arise was excited when he got the RBI. And the Elias, the Elias kid from the Rockies, when he hit the home run, was freaking celebrating like it was an actual game. So I will give them, once I was watching... I gave a crap more than any of these other All-Star games. Like, it actually seemed like the players gave a darn, and it actually had some drama to it, and it actually resembled the game I know, which made me feel a little better about baseball. I was like, okay, like, maybe there's still some freaking hope for this sport. I just, the fact that they don't embrace the fun, which is what Tony's talking about, bothers me. Like, they still don't get it. Like, the like the Ozzie Smiths of the world used to be embraced, the backflips and the fun <clears> and the this and the that. The fact that they don't embrace those guys more is where I think they still like Shohei Otani should be cherished a lot more than he is, and like the superstars should get a lot more face time than they do, and that's sort of where they drop the ball to me. Yeah, in a way they do, but I, I got to tell you, the 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 way they played the game, I thought was was extraordinary. Uh, they cared. They did give a sh- they, give a damn. Yes. They they cared. And, and to me, that made a big difference in the game. And and it made a big difference in the – you know, you, you said about the all-star games in hockey and in basketball and, you know, football, it's travesties. That, that's the only all-star game that means anything, that they, you can show show the people who you are, show the people the, the skills you have, yeah. and still play the game. Yep. It's the only one. Well, it comes the closest to approximating the competition you would get in an actual baseball game at the major league level. Uh, it's kind of interesting to see Garrett Cole, the first couple of guys. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I was curious because uh, I had you know had a mind bet thinking, well, maybe Louis Arise, who's having such a great season here for the Marlins, and I guess came into the game hitting three eighty two, which is uh, phenomenal. Uh, you know, especially by today's standards, where you have like maybe five guys in each league hitting three hundred. Period. Uh, and he's been brilliant and, and, and a lot of fun, very entertaining to watch uh, with the Marlins and, and has helped them spark what could be yet another, you know, bizarre Cinderella season for a South Florida team. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, watching him, you know, just, just smack one up the middle like he's been doing all season long, uh, a heck of a lot of fun. And, and seeing the way that he approached the game, uh, as Luby was talking about, uh, with the kind of enthusiasm that he had for it, uh, you know, it was great. Uh, you know, the other thing that's enlightening, you mentioned Otani. But we don't get to see that much of him because uh, yeah, he plays for yeah, the Angels. Yeah, we don't. But we don't. Holy shit. I mean, uh, when, when you look at what this guy's doing this year, yeah. he's hitting 302 <laughs> with 32 homers, six ahead of anybody else in the bigs. Uh, you know, also hitting for average. And, and then, you know, he, he's limiting hitters to a 169 batting average against. 
while uh, going seven, I think he was like seven and four for a losing ball club, the uh, Los Angeles Angels, and uh, pitching to like a 3.2 earn run average. P- pretty amazing. I mean, when you think about it. Really amazing. Really, really. It, it was great to see that you don't see him. You don't see some of the other players. So uh, I just think overall it was a great performance and a great showing. But the announcers, I have to tell you. You're going to uh, say something about announcers being lousy? What, what do you think? <laughs> they were lousy. Oh, really? They were. They were. <sighs> Smoltz drives a lot of people crazy. I, 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 don't, I don't mind him as much as some, but. Uh, <clears throat> Phil Mushnick, my man, who, you know, he, yeah, he yeah. hates any kind of thing like that. Uh, <laughs> and, and he might be right. I mean, every pitch is not uh, worthy of, uh, you know, uh, and breaking it down. Dream of analysis. I mean, <laughs> yeah, every yeah. pitch can't be that important. It's, it's got, he grips it like this and he yeah. turns it like this and it turns it. Uh, Hey, he could go with the fastball here. He might go with the curve. You know, he's got that slurve. And then again, every now and then he throws a knuckleball in there and you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, he could go through the entire arsenal there. Maybe, maybe we could. Maybe he's got a slurve. Maybe he's got a screwball. Maybe he's got a. It's not like Smoltz is unintelligent, but he he does go on and on about yeah. every single pitch. I mean, they used to complain well, about McCarver like that with uh, you know the analysis of the dirt oh, behind home man. plate, you know, and how how it's God rest his soul. But God rest his soul. But man, oh man, they they would just crucify McCarver. I, I don't understand the fascination with A-Rod as an announcer. I understand the fascination with him as a uh, kind of pop culture figure because, uh, you know, with all the babes that he's been with, uh, you know, he always – it's kind of like, you know, reporting on Donald Trump. I mean, the networks love him, whether he's saying something idiotic or not because, uh, you know, he, he's going to get them uh, eyeballs, so to speak. But, but what is the fascination with A-Rod? Has he ever said anything that you've no. uh, sat there, Tony, and said, wow, no. this guy's analysis is really spot on? No, I do. I do give him credit for turning it around. I give him credit for for uh, for owning up to it, uh, uh, and and coming out and saying, you know, this is what I did, and then being being charming enough and being affable enough to be accepted. So I, I give him that much credit. But other than that, no. No, I mean he's pulled he pulled a great one eighty in his career, but he's horrendous. Yeah, yeah I, I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, you would think he would be despised but, by baseball oh, fans. But you know, but you know what? You love to knock a guy up. You love to knock a guy down. Yeah, and I don't want to knock any guys up, Tony. I mean, uh, <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. Bring Not in Florida. That, that's for but, sure. But yeah. but but, but it, okay, moving on. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, what about this messy thing? I mean, where, where does oh, this rank know. in, in, in your? You've been here since what? Nineteen or sixties? Late sixties? Yeah, yeah. South Florida. I'm talking about covering sports. You, you've covered everything. Uh, you were usually the most prominent guy on the scene there. I mean, you were to South Florida sports casting what Brent Musburger was, uh, you know, uh, to CBS for for all of those years and uh, whatever other network he was on, uh, which I think he he, he did. Kind of the cycle, yeah, except for NBC. ABC. Um, and 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 any time there was a big story, it was let's go to Tony Segreto. So 100%. so where does this one rank, in your opinion, the acquisition of Messi and his arrival on the scene here to uh, galvanize people around the MLS and the sport of soccer and really put it on the map here in the U.S. Is that going to happen because Messi's here in Miami? No. <laughs> <laughs> This is Tony Segreto, Mr. Positive. Come on, what are you talking about? What is it ranked? It ranks ranks 
the bottom of it. It's, it's the same. It's the same thing. It's the same. You know, it's, it's recycle them, recycle them, recycle them. It's, it's, it's an old, it's a star who was, who was, who was long past his prime in, 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 in Europe. And now he's coming to the United States and he comes with a, with a, you know, accolades and billboards and all that. And, and he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna uh, create create interest for the first week, and he's gonna. Uh, you really, you, you see, this is like a. I mean, we, you were here when the Strikers got George Best. Remember that? Oh God, it's yeah. just it's the same it's the same thing. You, you, uh, the same. He's not a shot though, as some he's, of these guys yeah, that came to the NASL. No, he's not a shot, but, but he will be. <laughs> he will be. Wow, he, wow, Tony, particularly gloom and doom. This, this is so uncharacteristic of you, Tony. I just don't. I just don't. I just don't think much of it. Uh, you know, I, I just maybe if it was football, maybe it was baseball, maybe if it was basketball, something different. But, but, you know, we we see this all the time. We see the guys being recycled all the time. We see, you know, people when when, when uh, uh, what's his name Pele Pele went to the Cosmos. Yeah. Everybody was excited when Bess came here. Everybody was excited when, but you know, and, and in the meantime, Beckham we had, come into uh, the MLS. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In the meantime, we had better players. We had we had we had you know uh, better all around players. But now it's the same thing. It's the same well, were you thing. involved in uh, any of these? Te- I mean, did they televise striker games? I want to say yes. Yeah, yeah, I was at the. Well, were you first... on the calls? I mean, uh, Rick I Weaver, was, yeah. I remember, did the radio. <clears throat> Would I was at I was at the first or the second striker championship game. Oh wow! Uh, all right, that was in Washington at that RFK Stadium. That was the time. <clears throat> well, uh, let me tell you a story. I was at a Washington hotel. I I had been through. Been a hell of a week, so I got to my room, and I ordered a martini, uh, a beer, and some food. So I get. I changed. respect that, by the that way. That the visit. food was a third consideration. Martini and a beer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I get comfortable. I, I put. I got old dolphin shorts on. I got an old T-shirt on. No shoes, and I get comfortable. And it comes to my room, and I finish it and I put it outside the door and the door locks. Oh no. <laughs> Get out of here. You got locked out of your room in your underwear? Nice. You so yeah, so I have dolphin shorts on, oh, an old t shirt, no shoes. <laughs> Secret service is crawling. Oh it's DC. Oh God. Yeah. Because the vice president is and you look like talk. some nutbag. Oh, no. yeah. okay, that like that night. <laughs> so I don't know what I'm gonna do. <laughs> so, so I get all tied up. I go, what am I going to do? So I hear this party down the, the hallway. So I said, perfect. So I go knock on the door, and this good-looking woman walks to the door. She says, "Can I help you?" I said, "Can you can you help me?" Yes. I said, "I locked myself out of the room. Can I borrow your phone to tell them what room to come up to?" And I'll give them, you know, I'll give them the idea once I get in the room. She yeah. says, she, "She says sure." So I. The phone's in the back of the room. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> you got to walk through the room. <laughs> I'm walking through the room, all these people, black ties. Oh, it's like a real party. Oh, I thought you were going to say they were making a porn film. I thought it was so, an orgy. So <laughs> I, walk, I walk my head down, my head down, and I'm walking, walking like Tim Conway, you know, like, like yeah, little yeah, steps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So I'm sitting on the edge of the couch and I call him up and I said, can you help me? Blah, 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 blah. And the, the couch where I'm sitting, the bathroom door opens up and this woman walks out of the bathroom door and shakes her head and she goes, Tony Segreto. <laughs> oh no, they know you. So I go, excuse me? She goes, Tony Segreto. I said, I, I excuse me, I, I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> you yeah. so she was, Miami. So she goes, you're not Tony Segreto? I said, no. No. My no. guy, she, she says, we have somebody, you look just like the guy. <laughs> My God. And then she starts calling her friends over. Look at this guy. Doesn't he look like Tony Segreto? <laughs> so I get out of there. Still denying your Segreto, but you need yeah. to be Segreto to get back <laughs> no, into the room. No. Exactly. So I get yeah. out of the room. I go down. I open the door. They let me in. So the next day, oh my God, Tony! I, I'm down. I'm down the lobby, and I'm all you know. I got Back to being on, Sereno. Yeah. And this woman comes down. And she says, "I have to apologize to you." She says, "I could have sworn you were Tony Segreto," <laughs> and I said, "I am Tony Segreto." <laughs> and she says, "Really?" I go, "Yeah." She says. You are not going to believe this, but there's this guy down the hall <laughs> from my room who looks just like him. That's great. Oh, my God. Tony. He's running around in his underpants. Yeah. Oh, you got to yeah. believe this. Classic. All right. That's well, amazing. I mean, uh, maybe that would have, you know, be something that would give you a dim view of soccer since you were there to cover this game. <laughs> yeah. It, it, I, I thought, I, you know what? I, I really thought that you were going to say that this was sensational. I, 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 well, I, I, I thought I, you were going to say I this was the biggest deal. Beyond anything that happened with Shaq when he came with the squirt guns and the bus and LeBron, which uh, Luby and I were describing earlier, I mean, I couldn't believe that that pathetic ceremony that they had to introduce LeBron. And they had, uh, were you at that? You, you probably had to cover that too. I think you were still doing the TV. Big at three that time. when LeBron and Bosch came and they did the goddamn thing. Oh, the yeah. Oh, and they the had the whole thing game. at the arena there and everybody came. 15,000 people were out there all getting ripped off at the concessions. And <laughs> LeBron went through that thing. No one, not two, not three. Yeah. 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 Uh, you, were you at that? That, that yeah, was that was yeah. the, kind of a wild. So this is going to eclipse anything like that. This ceremony that the yeah, doing a thing uh, Inter Miami CF is going to have, <laughs> and it's coming up on Sunday. I, I'm surprised you're you're not uh, you the first go? in line to want to go. Definitely going, going, but I may go. I'm not going to lie to you. I've considered yeah. going. Luby's going to go. Yeah. I'm telling you, this is bigger than you think, Tony. I, I don't. The fact that I give a shit about the MLS. For at least a week, even if it's a week, that's more than I ever thought I'd care about the MLS in my life. We didn't even know, uh, you know, what what know cities had teams until this morning when we started reading the standings. God Almighty, yeah, that's uh, pretty wild. Huh? The women's team is going to be in the World Cup, though, so uh, we can focus on that. Since, yeah, uh, we they, have play, some... they play Friday night. I have no idea. I, I, I wouldn't know. I mean, you know, I'd be a hypocrite if I, I told. Know. The only thing I want to get out of this, Tony, is I want to get my hands on some tickets that I can get at face value and scalp them for the messy game. And <laughs> that would be a first, right? I mean, what, 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 when you think of Lockhart Stadium and stuff that's gone on there, we, we've called some high school football games I know. there. Lockhart Stadium. Uh, I used to go there for Yankee games. I, I mean, used to uh, play there. I used to play Yankees, there, for God's sake. Yeah. But uh, you don't think of an international superstar making his uh, local debut there. <laughs> How sad is that? That's, that's the only reason I give Tony any sad? credence. No. no, no, no. Seriously. How sad is that? <laughs> that that's almost as bad as Ali uh, facing Buster Douglas in, in Little League Field in, in Nassau. Oh, Imagine. Almost uh, as bad as that. 
It'd be like my friend Chef Oliver of the Cafe Max, uh, you know, and you go back uh, to the kitchen at the Olive Garden and complain about the breadsticks, and there's Oliver. You're like, what are you doing here? What, what, are you kidding me? Uh, that lame chicken don't, don't complain about the breadsticks, uh, the bread at That's the Texas Roadhouse, though. Oh, no, well, let's no. get into that, Tony, while, while we have, uh, you know, the chance here, because, uh, I know, Ed Garcia wasn't able to join us today, and... I rally around Ed Garcia's enthusiasm for Texas Roadhouse restaurants. It, it makes me as enthusiastic as I've been. Yeah. Uh, the times I visited there, and, and you know, we all know that, you know, it, it runs in the family. Actually, Luby loves it. My my, uh, loves it. my son and his wife love taking the kids there, which is a whole nother thing. And yet, you could go out there uh, anytime, and and if you're looking for a great steak, I mean, even as the most sophisticated of steak eating adults. And have yourself just a great meal and a great time. Texas Roadhouse really is the best. My brother-in-laws love it. And they're in Detroit. And, and oh, they really? go there all the time. Yeah. So um, there's no, there's nothing quite like it. There's, there's you know, they, they have their niche. And they stay with that niche. And they have the good food, the cold beer, great drinks, and great bread. And that's all you can ask. And they do it consistently, day in, day out. Step and repeat, step and repeat, step and repeat. And, and you know, whether they fall off the bone ribs or the chicken or the, the fish, the fish is to die for. And, and you can get fish anywhere, but I like it there because what is what does that say? You get the fish, the blackened, blackened salmon, the salmon on top of the Caesar you, salad. You did, made nice work of that one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You, you eat with a, a much more of a modicum of uh, you know etiquette than, than Mayo does. <laughs> oh, we'll say. oh my god! I the saw, way the way that you approached that Tony was very neatly done. Right? I, you could have made like an Emily Post. Uh, you I saw. You know, here's how you I do saw it. Mayo finally eat. I saw Mayo eat, and my man, he makes god. Joey Chestnut look like he's got my god. Unbelievable. But but I, I'd hate to see him. You know what? I hate to see him go to Texas Roadhouse. It'd be okay there, though. I mean, you know what? If you wanted to slobber that stuff down, it's all right. And and you need a large capacity because the portions certainly are, uh, you know, right on the money there at Texas Roadhouse. Uh, That that bone-in filet lasted me three days, Tony. Really? No, it wasn't a filet. It was a ribeye. Bone-in ribeye. The one in ribeye was a nice. You feasted on that two days and your dog feasted on it. Exactly. Uh, you know what? The dog didn't get any of that. I, I would, I would rather feed the dog, the boar's head roast beef that's in the refrigerator, which we do. And you know what? They reject the store brand. My two dogs, Holly and Skippy. They'll, they'll look at me as I'm taking the stuff out of the bag and go, that's not boar's head. Uh, but uh, yeah, they, they were getting none of that steak because that, that was going to be all me. That, uh, that bone and ribeye. It was great. But, but, but you can't beat it. And, um, Listen, all we say to you is this. Go there for once. Check them out. One time. Check them out and, and see if you don't agree. Well, a check, uh, speaking of checking, I mean, it's going to be minuscule compared to any place else of a similar quality. That, that's for sure. T- Tony, uh, you're looking good, man. Looking I mean, great, uh, the house friend. is okay then in Vermont. I was worried about you. Yeah, it was going. It's, uh, it's looking good. Nice. Okay. Thank God. Very good, my friend. All right. Uh, uh, thanks so much. We love and you, sir. Uh, a pleasure once again, my friend, uh, Tony Segreto, ladies and gentlemen. We love you. Uh, I want to thank you guys um, for the support you give me. Always. And, uh, your family. Hey, you're, you're an amazing guy. In fact, a uh, clip to my mailbox right now is the latest installment of uh, your uh, share of the Texas Roadhouse proceeds. 
<laughs> so that, that should be, and it literally is. I could take a picture of it. Uh, your address, I, I have the correct address and everything on there, and a stamp. I had to go buy stamps last night. We'll, 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 can I get a picture of it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I'm going to take a picture of it and send it to you after okay. the show. All right. Okay. All right. Just uh, so you can see it. Away. Okay. All right, there you go. Physical proof. Yeah, exactly. I'm sending this man his, his cash. <laughs> We're getting the next round, like next week. I think. Well, it took me three months, so, you know, to get around to this one. Two months, actually. But uh, what the heck? Oh my god, that's great. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, it's not like it's out of sight, out of mind, though, Louis. You know, I'm just lame about this kind of stuff. Yeah, you I, are not by not by evil intent or anything. So, um, you know, but that's the way it goes. Tony Scrantle, ladies and gentlemen, brought to you by Texas Roadhouse Restaurants. Always a pleasure. I had some other stuff here, so uh, we'll get into it. Uh, we'll take you up until 9 o'clock today. Mike Mayo's Lunchbox is going to be on the road today, and it's going to be Bert and Max's, Bert Rappaport, who uh, is a tremendous uh, restaurateur here, just a legendary guy, and happens to be uh, a terrific human being as well. I don't think he's going to be on the scene today. No, sadly he's not. He was a blast, man. I, he, he's a good guy. guy yeah, was great story. Last time. Yeah, he's, uh, I guess, in the Hamptons. He's doing his vacay thing, which I'm sure he's earned and deserved. So, no. Bert Rappaport, but we will have their chef, their owner, and uh, you will have us and the eater himself, Mr. Mike Mayo, at 12 o'clock. Oh, you know, I want to put in an order. I, I, I took a look at the menu there. Okay. But, oh, yeah, uh, you looked at the menu. Good for you. I didn't look at the menu. Yeah. No, yeah I, I definitely, uh, you know, want to get involved in, in the Brussels sprouts. Oh, okay. Yeah, whatever. Let Mayo know, yeah. Well, they were great at the last place. Well, uh, well we had a cauliflower before. thing that he had oh, there at uh, the right, other joint right. that he owns there. Uh, what's uh, the name of it again? It's right there Deck on the Intercoastal. Beautiful Deck spot. 80, wasn't it Deck 84? Deck something. Mm-hmm. Deck 84, I think. Was Deck name. 84, yeah. Great, great spot. That place is great. And, uh, so, yeah, we'll be schlepping up to uh, West Del Rey, which you know I don't like to do, but uh, for this, it's worth it. Burton Max's. And we'll be there today, 12 o'clock, with Mike Mayo. Uh, great, great uh, food, uh, a lot of variety, and uh, open for lunch. So uh, uh, maybe we'll see some of our friends up there. That'll be great. That's coming up at 12 o'clock today here on South Florida Live. Well, we will be coming back with more. Mike Luby Lubitz and uh, I will be coming back with more in a moment. Now that. Oh, this menu looks freaking great. <laughs> well, I had that doctor visit yesterday. I so, uh, you know, I'm, the, the numerology wasn't too bad. Okay. I, I didn't get the look, you know, and, and they're sort of paranoid in this place. I mean, if you're borderline on this or that, they, they really get excited about it one way or the other, you know. Okay. Yeah, but right. um, I, I've been borderline forever yeah. in a number of categories. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> that's another book title. I've been borderline forever. I'm forever. <laughs> borderline this, borderline that, that's borderline this. That's your life, though. <laughs> I felt, uh, you know, I, I, I literally started singing the Tom Petty song. I don't want to live like a refugee. Because I am crossing various borders. But, oh, um, my God. no, I felt pretty good about the whole thing. I, I did do that number, though. Do you do that? Do you deliberately go to, like, a steam room before you have to weigh in somewhere? I'm not there yet. I used to have to do that when we were doing these diet ads, you know, for various uh, dietary supplements or whatever, where, you know, it's going to help you lose weight. The cookie diet was one where they were just adamant about the idea that you had to be on a diet and you had to lose weight to keep the endorsement. So I was making like $25 of throw on the endorsement, maybe even 50 i I'm not sure. So that's like 250 a week for doing what? You're there anyway. Yep, yep, yep. You may as well do the spot. Yep. Okay. It's not like, uh, you know, I, I don't want to imply that we had no credibility with this, but... Uh, <laughs> Let's face it, when it comes to losing weight, we're not all really good at it. It's not so uh, this cookie diet, if you did it, 
you couldn't help but lose weight because you were eating 800 calories a day. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. If you're just eating swanky cookies, of course you're going to lose weight. <laughs> well, well, the cookies, uh, the, the thing of the cookies was that it, it kind of, there's this, uh, I guess, substance in them that you can find in other uh, diet supplements okay. that uh, kind of expands your stomach to the point where it feels uh, like you've eaten a lot. You feel full, yeah. Yeah, so, so you kind of have a feeling of being full even though, you know, you're far from it. But uh, it, it's just uh, however this substance works once it gets inside your system there. And uh, so, so you had to weigh in, though, every week. And if you didn't lose weight, the guy gave you the look and said, hey, listen, we're going to have to discontinue this until you get on this thing. So I used to go play tennis uh, right before I would go uh, to meet these people every week. I would play tennis in the Schwitzing Heat with Ed Kaplan <laughs> and then go in the steam room after that and not drink a drop of liquid. And I would weigh in like four pounds lighter than I was the previous time. And so even though I was the same weight, I was the same fat fuck that I was. <laughs> they go, oh, yes, this is trending nicely here. You're, you're doing a great job with this. You're like a jockey. You're cutting weight. <laughs> I'm throwing up. Yeah, the jockeys have that heaving stall. Have you seen that? That's a pleasure to be in. Uh, you're taking a dump in the jocks room there. And, uh, you know, right next to you is Dale Lynch, who couldn't make 117. Uh, you know, I mean, Roberto Duran had a better chance of making 117. And this guy's puking his guts out before the first race at Ialea. Oh, Jesus it's good to get on the inside of stuff and see what it's really all about. All right, uh, we're coming back with more in a moment. Now that. It's uh, 8.36. Play the ponies in style at Champions, the outstanding simulcasting room at beautiful Hylia Park. Yes, the grand old lady of thoroughbred racing has never been more vibrant, and you can wager on the races from the top tracks around the country while enjoying a cocktail at the Brass Rail Bar or any of the fine food served throughout the facility. If poker is your game, you're covered in style. And you can play all your favorite Vegas-style games, including blackjack, craps, and roulette, in Hylia Park's sizzling hot casino. Get a player's card when you walk through the door for all kinds of generous amenities, including our favorite, free play. When you come out to the ultimate casino and entertainment destination, Hylia Park. These days, we're all looking for comfort anywhere we can find it. Thank goodness for Landlubbers Raw Bar and Grill in the plantation because they are making sure you are as comfortable as possible. First of all, they're not only open for delivery and pickup. All you have to do is go to landlubbersbarandgrill.com for both pickup and free delivery. You're going to have the best wings in the world. You're going to have a great burger. You're going to have their amazing soups. Again, Landlubbers, Raw Bar, and Grill. It's nice and easy. Just go to landlubbersbarandgrill.com for both your pickup and free delivery. Thank goodness for Landlubbers for making you always feel right at home. Are you looking to buy your first home? Have you been turned down for a loan? Do you need to refinance or get money out of your home? Call Michael Kodzi, CEO of Choice Mortgage. He's been helping the South Florida community get mortgages for 30 years. Hi, this is Michael Kotze, CEO of Choice Mortgage. We have the most competitive fixed rates in the market. Call me 24-7-561-441-2730. And remember, I don't just work banking hours. Make the right choice for your home. Call Choice Mortgage today. I mean, if my point was ever going to be embellished and going to be proven true, the world has gotten my sugar nut. Grab a bagel and a schmear, plus some Defoe and Luby. Welcome back to the Defoe Show. All right, welcome back to the show. Uh, good to be with you here. Uh, another week flying by here. We're already at the midway point here on a Wednesday after uh, that brief hiatus that we took a week ago. That, that was a lot of fun, and it's good to be refreshed and uh, feel... Uh, 
like uh, hey, full of uh, energy and uh, ideas as uh, we approach uh, the quiet uh, dog days of summer, as they're known in the sporting world. Uh, I, I don't have a problem with any of it because there's enough going on for me, yeah, yeah, including uh, Wimbledon, where we have uh, two Americans left in the draw. Nice. One, though, uh, looks like uh, she is on the verge of being vanquished here, at least in the first set, uh, as my girl Arena Sabalenka, the uh, uh, Belarusian uh, beauty, is uh, on top of uh, Madison Keys of the U.S. of A., who has made a nice run here and is a delightful person. Uh, she seems to be in every interview I see. You can't help but like Madison Keys. Uh, she was somebody that was highly touted. I probably should uh, defer to Harvey Fialkoff on this. But um, highly touted early on and, and then didn't seem to be, it's not like she was a bust or anything, but uh, it seemed like she had reached her peak. And yes. uh, since then, though, in recent times, uh, she's had some very, very favorable showings. Uh, Sabalenka was somebody that was deemed to be a bit of a head case. So it didn't seem to have, and, and we've had this, the professor, I remember when he was attacking me about this whole idea about being mentally tough. And he started talking about, well, what about the cab driver that has to uh, go and beat somebody for a fare? Is he not mentally tough? Remember that whole conversation, Louie, that all. took place on the show with Degenerate Friday? <laughs> I don't remember this at all. When did <laughs> He was uh, refuting the idea that I, I said that, that uh, Novak Djokovic, uh, of oh, all the athletes yeah, that, that you that. could possibly view, yeah. seemed to me to be a bayon as mentally tough. I mean, he, he just never cracked under pressure, ever. You wouldn't see him. In fact, I mean, there was in evidence yesterday. He was playing this guy, Andre Rublev, who is a good grass court player and has also, I mean, I think Rublev was coming off a win in one of the prelims to uh, on the courts uh, to Wimbledon, Andre Rublev. Now, the field wasn't uh, as inclusive uh, of all of the top players because uh, uh, they were playing a variety of different tournaments uh, leading up to this thing. But uh, nonetheless, uh, he wins the first set, Rublev, and it looks like, he, uh, you know, is on his way maybe to pulling off this uh, monster upset of uh, Djokovic, who's won, I think, 42 straight matches on center court at Wimbledon. Jesus. And uh, what is he, like the four-time defending champion? Really? It, it, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, uh, Djokovic is unbelievable. I mean, he's oh, got 24 slams or 23 already and, uh, you know, looking for 24 and, and seems to have a very favorable path to uh, getting there. Because uh, he was able to win this match over Rublev uh, yesterday, but but I, I'm watching this thing, and in the second set, Rublev makes one minor mistake, Luby, one one swing that uh, wasn't quite on the money, and that's all the door that these really mentally tough people. Uh, Steffi Graf was the same way. You would make one dumb mistake against her, not even a dumb one, it's just oh, an unfortunate uh, shot, and and that little crack. They would always find a way through it and then dominate from that so point Djokovic on. So Djokovic has won four of the last five. He won 18-19, missed 20, but I think he was hurt, and then won 21-22. So he's won four of the last five. He's won the last two. But was he not one. allowed to play Wimbledon in 20 because oh, of the, uh, the whole thing shit. with COVID? The yeah. COVID shit. Yeah, it was COVID okay. shit. So right. while he, the last four he's played, you're right, the last four he's played, he's won. That's crazy. Yeah. Jesus. And he wasn't in that one in 2020 because yeah. – you don't want to get uh, no vaccine, which, uh, all right, well, we don't know if that was, I mean, that was his stance. Well, let's yes. put it that way. He took yes. a lot of uh, derisive commentary coming his way because of that. It uh, seemed like a very selfish position. Yep. And yet there are many people that feel like the uh, vaccine was a waste of time. Well, what do you think, Libby? Was the vaccine worth think. taking? Yeah, I mean, it, it, I'm glad I did. I really am. Because uh, I wouldn't have wanted this shit, yep. you know, to, to have the full impact on me. Uh, yes. Anyway, uh, 
So Djokovic, I, you know, we were saying that Djokovic, I, I, I just think he's so mentally tough. He, he's impossible. He, he, you look at his record in tiebreakers, Luby. Yeah, he's great. Which, uh, you know, would be a test of mental toughness. Uh, you, you get to 6-6 six, six in a set. You've been uh, in a bloodbath, but uh, you always find a way to prevail in the tiebreaker system, which is the equivalent of playing maybe two or three games, actually. Yep. For those that were advocates of the uh, Nicholas Mahout John Isner theory that we were talking about earlier, where, yeah, let him just play 70 to 68. That's the final there. <laughs> Ridiculous. And that was said in conjunction with the idea that, uh, you know, it's something that was appalling to me at first, which uh, this has happened a couple of times now with Major League Baseball, appalling to me that they would put a guy on second base to start extra innings. But when you look at the overall impact of, uh, okay, uh, you know, do you really want to sit there I remember being so excited. The Mets played, I believe it was uh, the Houston, then Colt 45s. Okay. In the Astros by then. But uh, they played them like a 25-inning game. And they had a big thing in the New York Post on the back where it was like 0-0 for 25 innings or something. I mean. All line of goose eggs. And I'm thinking, how horrible would that have been? I was. (laughs) As a vendor. And, you know, there was a time maybe you would have wanted to endure that. I, I don't. I don't want to invest that amount of time in extra innings anymore. Do you? No, no, no. Look, I now I still don't like the thing at second, but if you're saying it does, where should they put up, them on first, third? I, I, I mean, I'd rather you just play the game. But um, load the bases. That would be great with nobody else. <laughs> just load Each it. team gets load bases team get loaded bases with nobody else. Who can do more with? Bases See loaded. who can do more. Yeah. Now it becomes a scoring fest. There you go. I don't know about the, but it, it, look, if it, if it speeds the game up, I. I'm all for it. I, I don't think the game lasting forever is what hurt, ruined baseball, but it definitely didn't help baseball. So, yes. Uh, it fouls up so many things, though. I mean, you end up with position players pitching in the 18th inning. 100%. You're not wrong. I mean, so is that is that any worse in terms of yeah, being unusual than just starting a guy out on second base when you have to revert to guys that, whose arms are being, you know, dragged on the ground like they were an orangutan? Although I want to qualify that by saying, that was not meant in any disparaging way towards uh, any, you know, uh, that had no ethnic uh, foundation to it whatsoever, right? We're just referencing an animal movie. Do you have to do that now? I mean, we got to get on that no filter thing so we don't even have to worry about uh, this sort of stuff. You have to worry about things. Uh, anyway, I, I mean, is he not like as mentally tough as any athlete you've ever seen? Novak Djokovic. Well, he's just even and talking about. You can't crack this guy. He's even keel. Like, he, where Nadal is very passionate. Federer was a lot like this, where whether he's up or down, you don't know. Like, Federer was even keel. Uh, you know, it's not like he's unemotional, Djokovic. You, you'll see him erupt. I, I see. I, from what I know, I, I, I don't think of him. He's not a curious, you know, like he doesn't lose it. No, he's nobody's curious. Yeah, he's come not. on. Yeah. Well, there are guys that are passionate and fiery. Like, I get it. He's not Federer, where Federer, Federer was like comatose, to be brutally honest. But Federer is just <laughs> super cool. I mean, uh, you know, you, you could have seen him in the fifth set of, of like a, you know, a lengthy tie break. Uh, t- type of situation back when they used to play that thing out at Wimbledon, and it looked like he had just stepped off the cover of GQ. Federer, I don't even think he schwitzed. No, Did he, he ever, ex- you know, excrete a drop of sweat in, in his entire career? No, Federer seemed, seemed like he never sweat, but like so, Djokovic wasn't Federer, but Djokovic. I feel like his level of play, whether he's getting breaks or not, you you can't see the like he doesn't. Nobody snowball. can beat this guy. He doesn't snowball. He's amazing. He doesn't snowball. And he, he's like. not young at this point. No, no. He's in his 30s now. I mean, I mean. He, and he's just as invincible, uh, which uh, I don't know if that's not a reflection 
what would you want to call it? Obviously, we're using a general term here that, uh, you know, is something that uh, is intangible and hard to define but uh, or quantify. But, uh, I mean, who's more mentally tough than this guy? Anybody that, that you can think of? Yeah, where sure. it, you just never see him falter in these situations. If, if he does, if he loses, you're like, holy shit, how could that be? Somebody beat Djokovic? you got to be kidding me. Anyway, uh, Wimbledon, uh, Jessica Pagula went out yesterday. She she was in command in her match, uh, so she was one of two American women that were left in a draw. And I believe uh, Sabalenka has just wrapped up the first set there against Madison Keys. And uh, this is on the women's side uh, to go to the semifinals. So uh, Madison Keys with a shot there. Uh, she's had a nice run uh, at Wimbledon, regardless of whether she can win this match. She loses the first set 6-2. So a fairly decisive uh, advantage there for Arena Sabalenka, who was supposed to be a head case. And, and we saw evidence of that, where, you know, the woman w- would just crack mentally. Remember uh, the U.S. Open? Uh, did she lose to uh, Layla Fernandez or uh, or the uh, the English girl who, who uh, won the uh, tournament? No clue. I mean, uh, I yeah, I think she lost to Layla Fernandez. Remember when Layla Fernandez, young girl uh, out of Canada, right, uh, was making this uh, tremendous run in the U.S. Open, and we ended up with uh, Raducanu, is uh, the uh, uh, young English girl. Yes. Two teenagers in the final yes. that both pulled off big upsets in the semis. Yes. And and you know you were looking at Sabalenka going, how, how the hell do you choke to this girl? You got to be kidding me, man! And she clearly just choked. But she straightened that out a lot of that this year. Straighten it out, and uh, you know, right now she's doing a number on uh, on Madison Keys, who uh, everybody likes. Uh, that Chris Eubank story is a pretty good one at Wimbledon, Luby. So that's an Have you uh, familiarized yourself with this American. kid? What's that now? The Eubanks guy is an American. This Eubanks that I see is an actual Chris American Eubanks, yeah, man. six seven, uh, black, uh, you know, tennis player, uh, which uh, you know you don't see uh, too many guys that height. Isner obviously you know, was like six ten, and you had a couple of others in the past, but. Uh, and a couple more on the scene now, but uh, you don't usually see that tall of a tennis player. Tall drink of water. Uh, come a long way. He's, he's moved from like number 130 in the world into uh, the, the 30s or 40s, I believe, in terms of his uh, ranking. But um, you know, pulled off a big upset against Titi Pass the other day. Titi Pass just absolutely, uh, you know, uh, liberal. I mean, uh, literal proof that uh, women weaken legs. I mean, since he's been. Uh, associated let's put it that way with paula bedosa which can you blame him i don't know have you seen bedosa she's a good looking woman yes very attractive uh, woman (laughs) she's a good looking woman they're all wearing the same outfit too they do isn't that weird it's gotten shorter and shorter (laughs) no i mean the the identical outfit uh you know uh, both of these players are out there representing nike it's the exact same outfit oh okay both look uh, very attractive in in these outfits i mean uh there there's one thing about women's tennis man Women weaken legs, but, uh, you know, tennis players, women tennis players, female tennis players, could they have the best legs in all of sport? Oh, yeah. And soccer players. I always found Soccer that. players? Soccer have nice legs, yeah, the women, because they, yeah. they're strong and all that. <laughs> all right. Can really you start us uh, show some signs of life here, bro? When's the first game of the second set? All right, so so there's stuff left uh, to uh, decide there. Uh, Sviantek, the number one player in the world, went out to uh, Svitolina, the Ukrainian. And so uh, she moves on to the semifinals, and Jessica Pagula ended up, it seemed like she got upset. Uh, they had to close the roof, and they did it before it started raining. Uh, they have uh, the roof on a couple of courts, and she was on one of the courts. Uh, well, I guess her, all the matches now are contested on either court one or center court and at this stage of the tournament. 
And uh, she got upset that uh, while she had gathered all this momentum, I think she was up 4-1 in the uh, final decisive set uh, against uh, Van der... Van Rusova, Van Rusova is the uh, woman's name, Van Rusova, who, uh, you know, you've seen on the tour a little bit, but, you know, never really uh, think of her as a possible slam winner, uh, you know, but a competitive player. Somebody's going to test you, uh, even if it's in an early round of the tournament. And uh, sh- she's up uh, 4-1, serving to go up 5-1 by the time they close the roof. It takes what? I, I think it takes 20 minutes, Luby. Why does it take so long to close that roof, the retractable dome? It's it on. It's does. on like tracks too. I mean, press does. a button and close a thing, right? Can it close faster for eight hundred million dollars or whatever they paid for it? <laughs> it still takes time. <laughs> really? Yes. All right. Anyway, it took twenty minutes, and, and and it sucked the life out of Jessica Pagula, who is, uh, of course, the daughter of the billionaire owners Terry of the Pagula. Buffalo Bills and the Buffalo Sabers, the Pagulas. Yes. Is it, is it Terry Pagula? Is, is that the guy's Pagula, name? Terry Pagula. Yeah. What, what did he do to make all that money? Sell chicken wings? What what the hell did this guy do in it's Buffalo? family money, but I, what, I have no idea. Oh, oh you think he, he was in the inheritance business? I think so. I, mean, I, uh, I don't know about that. I'm, that I'm not sure of. I don't know the uh, tracing of the capital there in the Pagula family line. But, uh, you know, I give her credit. I mean, she obviously doesn't have to do shit unless her father's shut her out from the will or whatever. But, he made uh, his money in fracking. Uh, he's an American billionaire, businessman, and petroleum engineer. So I guess he was one of the early frackers, and those people probably made an insane fucking amount of money. Excuse my ignorance, but what was uh, fracking exactly? I don't know. I go good. Something with oil. It's some schmanky thing with oil. I have no idea. Andy or yeah. Brian, who are in investments, probably would have known a lot more than I would know about it. He also has a lot in real estate as well. And then owns Well, I would imagine he's accumulated those. quite the fortune there. Yeah. Owns two professional teams. Outright, right? I mean, this yes. is, I, I think he owns like the whole thing. Like I mean, 100%. I'm sure he has invested. No one's the only guy, but he is the clear cut majority owner of both teams. Okay. Anyway, she, she doesn't have, you know, that much reason, you know, oh, outside of just a desire to be a great athlete. <laughs> yeah. I gave her a lot of credit, you know, for, for going out there and competing, but uh, she, she clearly got upset with this uh, delay. And then after that, played like shit and uh, ended up losing. Uh, she was serving to go up 5 1. And uh, ended up losing the last four games of the set. And, uh, you know, I guess last lost the last, what, five games of the set. She was up 4-1, ended up losing 6-4, and got knocked out of the tournament. Uh, Carlos Alcaraz is going against uh, Holger Runa today. Battle of uh, young guys uh, who, uh, I think Alcaraz, did he just become a 20-year-old? Either Runa or uh, Alcaraz is 20. The other guy's 19. So uh, that, that's one quarterfinal match to go to the semis. And uh, Eubanks has to face uh, Danil Medvedev, who is kind of the Ichabod Crane of uh, professional men's tennis. Uh, a hard guy to define, but uh, real tough competitor. I, I don't think grass was his best surface. This Eubanks uh, has come out of nowhere on grass courts. They won a tournament, one of the prelims to Wimbledon. So, um, Will, th- does this signal an emergence of American tennis, Luby, in your opinion, or are we still... Oh, I don't know. Far in the background when it comes to uh, the world stage. So both Rune and Alcaraz are recently turned 20. Rune in April, Alcaraz in May. So they're both 20. Um, I I hope, look, you perked my interest. I don't remember an American getting into any. uh, Well, it's a good story, this kid. And he's a really, uh, I mean, he's a terrific kid. Got a great personality. if, If he can actually do something in the quarters, if he can find a way to make it to a semis, and he can actually become... A name that would be wonderful. I mean, man, that's American men struggling is when tennis fell off the main stage. It just 
I don't know why we care so much about American men. You had great tennis being played, but people like me sort of lost interest right at that time, which is sad. So it would be cool to get an American man. I know it piqued my interest, and I would hope it would pique others. I mean, and he, he's, he's got to be like a 20-year-old. Also, Eubanks, Chris Eubanks. Uh, he, he goes against Medvedev. That, that's literally a tall order, although he, he is uh, equal to that. In fact, uh, he will tower over Medvedev, who, who's a tall drink of water himself. Uh, I, I'm assuming, which is maybe, uh, you know, a, a premature evaluation, of course, that Alcaraz is going to come out on top of Rooney uh, today because Alcaraz is great. Uh, Rooney uh, has been playing very, very well, but uh, seems to not quite be at that same level as Carlos Alcaraz, who's sensational. So uh, you would have maybe, if he can beat Medvedev, can you imagine this? Eubanks would probably have to mow down Medvedev, Alcaraz, and in all likelihood, Djokovic to, to win the Wimbledon title. That would be one of the most amazing runs in sports history in, in any sport, if this kid could do that. Can you imagine? I mean, I guess uh, he's not a kid anymore. He's 27, so that sort of sucks. Like I said, he's 27 he's years just, old. It's about just, fucking time this guy did something. He's just coming into his own, so that's sort of annoying. <laughs> But look, we've I thought he was like 20 years old, this guy. What are you talking about, Louie? 27? He's Sorry, an old he's man. He's saying he's 27, so that's fucking annoying. Where has he been then? Yeah, that's not great. Was he a boxer before we uh, <laughs> took up tennis? figuring it out now. I don't know he's how. He's in the UFC? How much of a stronghold he's going to have in the tennis world, but maybe he can make a run here. <laughs> yeah. Well, it would be an incredible run. That, that would be one of the. I mean, uh, I, I don't know that he gets by Medvedev today because Medvedev is uh, extremely tough also. But uh, he has had a nice run so far. TT Pass, I think, is, uh, you know, sort of on cloud nine there with Pedosa. And, uh, you know, they're talking now about And he has the uh, supposedly evil father as his coach that nobody likes, uh, which, uh, you know, is weird. I think he tried to plant a kiss, the father, on Pedosa. And there's a video circulating where she makes like a really sour face. Like, don't touch me, you filthy pig. <laughs> Not sure it was exactly that. I'm sure the face was more, no, we're in public, not, oh, I'm disgusted by you. (laughs) Not like when you come over the track, down 500, (laughs) and you were supposed to be right I'll never admit to being down 500. (laughs) Yeah, but they know. Down 500 is down three. That would be a large admission on my part. I didn't even want to talk about it. Fortunately, the uh, Mustang was just uh, so flush with sticks, she didn't even know how much money she had, which was great. How much you got in the safe, sweetheart? That's nice. She said it was fifteen hundred. It was two grand. I took five. <laughs> Lost that. <laughs> and asked for more. I love that you're. How you doing? I don't want to go to the ATM machine. Why don't you give me a couple of sticks? That's great. Rolls of reverse. That's great. I love that. Uh, it's <laughs> happened one way or the other. I mean, she, she was on fire though with these slot machines, which I I don't have the slightest inclination how to play them. I, I have no idea. I mean, you need three pigs and three goldfish, and it's like what. What happened to three cherries, three plums? Exactly. exactly. I knew what that was, right? And you could only play one line back then. Now you can play like six dollars like on nineteen different lines. <laughs> one spin costs you one hundred and twenty-seven fifty. Exactly. They say, no wonder they want to send a plane for you. Are you kidding exactly. me? Oh my God. Surprise! They don't send a limo to pick us up and drive us to Palm Beach. That'll be next. All right, uh, we're going to get out of here. All-Star Game. Finally, uh, the National League. Yay! I'm a National Yay. League guy at this point. National League. Woo-hoo. I was a Met fan. I moved out to L.A., kind of, you know, rooted for the Dodgers, naturally, although I did like the Angels back then. And, uh, you know, now with the Marlins here being a National League team, you can't help but root for the National League. We had a guy that was a prominent factor in the ballgame. He was a big part. 
And Luisa Rice is having a great I know, season. He's still bases. He's still a base. I was like, oh shit, look at fucking Rice. <laughs> Rosarina is a lot of fun to watch there. Uh, Randy Rosarina from uh, from the Tampa the Bay Rays. Yep, yep. He's great. Uh, yeah, that that guy was a lot of fun. He was fun in the home run derby too. But uh, yeah, it, it was uh, you know interesting enough for me. I, I mean, I, I love that when Garrett Cole, the first two guys, hit the ball up the wall. And uh, there were two great catches, and he ended up with a one-two-three inning. That shows you how it can look funny in a box score, right? Yep, yep, yep. You're slamming a ball off this guy, <laughs> right field, left field, and uh, yeah, look at that—he retired to sign an order. There, another nifty performance by Garrett Cole, the great Yankee uh, hurler. Yankees are imperiled as we go into the second half. Will the Marlins sustain their first-half Cinderella story? They are three games up in the wild card, Mike Luby Lubitz. I know, I know. When play returns. They literally Which, have the fourth-best record in baseball. If they weren't in the division with the best team in baseball, they'd be leading their division. <laughs> like, it's insane. Uh, no games uh, all the way through Friday, huh? Didn't yeah. they used to have a sprinkling of games on Thursday? Yes, they gave them a week. They get the, they get a week now. All right, uh, it's appropriate because that, that, that Major League Baseball season is some grind. Imagine, uh, you know, we're, we're barely halfway through. And uh, it resumes uh, 14 games above 500, the uh, Miami Marlins. Is it possible? Will we make the postseason this year? Your prediction right now before we uh, leave the airwaves, Luby. Sure. Will the Marlins make the postseason three games up in a wild card as we speak? And they have Supposedly with a, a heavier load to uh, navigate their way through in the second half of the season. My, my, with three, There are three wild card spots. And with the Central being sort of eh. Um, the NL West relying on the Diamondbacks to play well, which if the Marlins... Zach Gallen out there on the mound yeah. to start for the uh, American League. We'll see. I, I, uh, or the National, the National League. League. I, yeah. My inclination are to say no, but since we've already had Tony Segreto be negative, I might as well flip my script and be positive and say sure. Since there are three wildcard spots, you're just saying make the postseason at all. Sure, why not? If they can just do something close to what they've done, they don't have to do exactly what they've done. I think they can eke out a playoff spot. So, sure, they will make their fourth playoff appearance in 2023. Do you think we've been an overwhelmingly negative influence on uh, Tony? I don't know what the fuck's going on with him. I love him. He he didn't bring up the Marlins, but every time he says the Marlins are horrendous because he's so used to them being bad that it's like, no, they're actually not horrendous this year yeah. for some weird reason. And and uh, I, I was surprised he deemed this messy thing. And the messy no thing, deal. which clearly yeah. is a big deal, and it's clearly going to be more, more than a week. He's so beaten down by the other stunts in the soccer world down here in South Florida, which there have been stunts. He's not wrong. I mean, yeah, the I mean, thing, they've had like the Valderrama uh, thing, which literally the team shut down business like a year, like a, the fusion, like a year later. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like when the Dolphins had that flipper in the uh, little pool outside the open end of the orange ball there, and, and it, now they they would have one spinning a soccer ball in his nose. That kind of thing. I mean, uh, like some act out of SeaWorld. That, that circus stuff is what they've been trying. Uh, I, I don't know. I, well, we'll see, Luby. I, I would hope that you would go out there Sunday and maybe see some of these lunatics that are embracing this uh, with, with I think the kind of uh, you know, like overwhelming it. confidence that this is going to make soccer finally the big deal in the United States of America. I mean, no, that's not happening, but it'll make it matter more. Damn, Left Rack is probably smiling somewhere <laughs> from his grave, saying, I told you, DeForest, you asshole. <laughs> You're going to be smack in the middle of it, too, on top of that, just to uh, add a little ironic twist to the whole story. All right, uh, we're going to get out of here. We'll uh, see you from uh, Del Rey uh, later on today. West Atlantic, uh, Bert and Max's yes. in Delray Beach. Mike Mayo's Lunchbox. We'll get a chance to watch Mike eat, which is always <laughs> a lot of fun. 
Make sure he puts in an order of Brussels sprouts, though. I will, because that's the thing. They, they want to bring out certain dishes, but I'll make yeah, sure yeah. we get you your Brussels sprouts. That's what I want today. That's that's where I'm going I after know, this doctor's appointment yesterday. I, there's like eight things I want, but uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. But we'll make sure there is an order of Brussels sprouts for you. I'll make sure of that. As I said when I uh, sat down with the doctor, I'd rather be a good liver than have a good liver. All right, uh, well, we'll see you later on today, 12 o'clock. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Thanks to Tony for joining us here. Texas Roadhouse Restaurants, as always, Hylia Park, and uh, all of our fine sponsors. I've been seeing a lot of pictures of celebrities showing up at Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill. Nice. Mike Luby Lewitz, a lot of people taking advantage of the uh, beautiful uh, Florida Keys there, which uh, wouldn't be a bad place to sit out. You're going to schwitz. This schwitzing, <laughs> searing. You're going to schwitz. Jarring heat. Why not schwitz there? <laughs> <laughs> I did my uh, walk of life in the morning yesterday after the show. And uh, I have to say that that would be the time to get out there as opposed to the mid-afternoon, which is uh, what I'm more accustomed to. I think my kidneys are going to go first. That's what they told me. All right. Uh, we'll see you next time as we leave you now that. The time. It's 9.03. Let's go to eat a damn snack. Let's go to